And good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. He's Griffin. Prince Charles is back with us, rocking his Starberry throwback, which I appreciate as a man who purchased a few pairs of Starberries in my day. They were going to revolutionize the world, baby. Hip, awesome shoes that were like 20 bucks. The Walmart shoe. Man, I was so so excited about it because I was broke. Broke. Working in Phoenix at the time. (sighs) Did not last. Did not last. Did not revitalize the world the way that we thought they would. Insanely busy day. We got to get into it um, because we have a lot to do on the program today. Coming up in a few minutes, my old friend Kevin Van Valkenburg is back with us. Of course, formerly of the Baltimore Sun and then formerly of ESPN. He's now done like full-time golf, which is not my thing. But he wanted to talk to me about Lamar Jackson the other day. So we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson because that's what we do around here. I'm not sure if you've been paying attention. So we'll get into that with Kevin. Patrick Stevens will join us because it's Tuesday. We'll talk about the brackets. Um, We'll talk about the end of Maryland season, maybe a little bit about some coaching hires yesterday. Not only did Egg Cooley become finalized with Georgetown, but Rick Pitino officially took the St. John's job as well. So we'll talk to Patrick about all of that. Coppin still needs a coach too. Um, later on in the morning, Tyler Kepner joins us from the New York Times. He wrote a lengthy piece about one Adley Rutschman. Perhaps you've heard of him. Today is the 20th anniversary of one of our favorite moments in NCAA tournament history. Drew Nicholas daggering UNC Wilmington with a three-pointer at the buzzer back in 2003. Um, The only buzzer beater in Maryland's NCAA tournament history. We will catch up with Drew Nicholas. And we will wrap up today's show. Brent Urban of the Baltimore Ravens will join us. So a very busy day on the program. That's what's coming up. Today's show is brought to you by the Press Box Print Issue, which is available for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. That's Gunnar Henderson. You see him there. He's on the cover. Great story from Luke Jackson. Go pick it up right now. All right, let's get to it. Lamar meter. Lometer. By the way, a lot of uh, a lot of pushback that it should be Lamarometer. Lamarometer. That that you should make oh, okay. it the Lamarometer instead of the Lama meter as your backup. Lamarometer. La, no, Lama. La, well, I think Lama, it should be Lamarometer is what they want because they want it to read out entirely, just be pronounced a different way. Yeah. So if you 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 could still spell it L A M A R O M E, but it would be Lamarometer. Which I get, yeah, I get. I kind of like because we could also pitch it to the Maryland Zoo and make it related to llamas somehow, right? Like, and see if they want to be the corporate sponsor of the Lamarometer. But Lamarometer. Look, man, I'm not. What? It's your journey. I'm not going to tell you how uh, how to how to do your art. I think I'll just stick with Lamarometer. All right. I I mean, if it's better for business, then I guess I get. Well, that you know, you (laughs) got you can't you can't rule that out. 68% 68% yesterday, a bit of a dip after Lamar Jackson decided he was going to do an interview series, We or whatever you want to call it. We still haven't seen it yet. Um, and also because of the statement from the NFLPA that just made me think that maybe these people are digging in for a bit of a bigger fight. And today, that meter will also go down a little bit. Oh, today. no. Oh, no. 66%. We're just 66% is where the meter goes down to. If you missed it yesterday. That Tyler Huntley faces. Yeah. Just sneaking <laughs> yeah. Off. <laughs> You're really excited about that. 
Uh, if you missed it yesterday, and we'll probably have to wait till tomorrow because we unfortunately just had an insanely busy day planned for today. Um, but Stephen Holder, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for ESPN, reports that the Colts have not ruled out pursuing Lamar Jackson. Now, there's nothing in Stephen Holder's story that suggests there's some sort of strong likelihood that the Colts are going to end up in the Lamar Jackson market. But just simply the fact that they are still considering it and the uniqueness of them holding a pick that if they would be willing to give it up would guarantee the Ravens the ability to draft their next quarterback. It was one of the things, um, and I can't remember who we had on last week, but we had somebody who we had on last week mentioned this and was like, you know, a lot of people think that the Colts should try to wait and make their offer after the draft. That way they wouldn't have to give up the number four pick and instead they'd be giving up their next two first round picks. But the point was you also have to try to entice the Ravens to not match. And you can try to do that by putting out some sort of ridiculous offer, something that's so overwhelming that if the Ravens have made it abundantly clear that they're not going to go five years, $250 million fully guaranteed, and you will, perhaps you feel like you can do it. But if you make whatever offer you want to make and combine it with the fourth overall pick and a guarantee that the Ravens would be able to draft a quarterback this year, then perhaps that becomes enticing enough for them to say, okay, go ahead, we'll take that number four overall pick, we'll draft our quarterback, we get a free first-round pick out of it. Look, we would, even if that's the case, we're going to murder the Ravens if all they get out of Lamar Jackson is two first-round picks. Like, we're going to absolutely demolish them over that because the going rate, it was pointed out in that Stephen, by Stephen Holder today, the Colts paid a first and a third-round pick for Carson Wentz. The rate for Lamar Jackson has to be more than two first-round picks. But if it's the combination of offer we don't want to match and two first-round picks, including there is still also the possibility that Ravens could try to work out a deal and say, look, we're going to match the offer, but then we're willing to trade Lamar Jackson to you. It's just got to be for more than the two first-round picks that you'd be giving up. Now, how you structure that so it doesn't hurt you dead cap space-wise... You know, I guess this would be the year that it wouldn't be that big of a deal to take on dead cat because you wouldn't be paying a quarterback and there's no one else left to spend any money on. Although, Nelson Aguilar, baby, checks all the boxes. He is a Ravens wide receiver human, through and through. Human person, getting ready to turn 30, has played wide receiver in the NFL. All the boxes, baby. Checks every single one. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah last week, by the way. That was Daniel Jeremiah yeah. was the one. You're right. Yeah. That's that is who brought that up about the Colts. So I'm not gonna go be over dramatic about it. I'm not going to suggest that it's likely that he ends up with the Colts, but it's just enough for me to dip the meter down a little bit. Sixty six percent is where I find the Lamar meter following the news yesterday that uh, from Stephen Holder of ESPN that the Colts are not out on Lamar Jackson. And I think by virtue of that report, become officially the first team to not be out on Lamar Jackson, to be anything other than out on Lamar. It's either nothing, like it's either they haven't responded in any way or they've said no. I believe this is the first team that hasn't said no in relation to Lamar Jackson. So that's where the uh, Lamar meter goes. Lamar, yeah. yeah, I am... 
I heard from a lot more people yesterday after yesterday's update to the Lamar meter that they think that, like, it was really weird. I've heard from more people in the last 24 hours who truly believe Lamar will sit out for the year instead of play on the tag. And that, it's funny, because I said, like, over the weekend, I thought I was getting a lot of crap from people that thought my number was too low, given the relative lack of interest. Yesterday, even when we dipped the number down 6%, I heard from more people who thought the number was too high because they believe that Lamar would be willing to sit out for the entirety of the year instead of play for the tag. By the way, do you have uh, Kevin's number or do you need me to send that to you? All right, I just realized that, like, I I booked the guest, and so I should have taken on full responsibility. That's on me. I'm going to sip this delicious hot tea. Mm. That's not hot tea. That's cold water, which is not good for your vocal cords, but it's better than nothing, and I don't believe we have any hot tea here. They've got hot tea over at 1057 the fan. We gotta look into that over these parts. We gotta figure out what we're doing to the talent over here. That we don't have hot tea to soothe the vocal cords when I've done 75 lacrosse games over the course of the last week. I gotta and I got one more to do tonight. Jeez. Tonight's not you, is it tonight the night that you're over here with us? Oh, uh, it's in April. It's in April. But right. they have uh like St. Lawrence? St. Lawrence, yes. St. Lawrence. That's who we've got tonight. All right. 66% is the number. 66% is where we are with the Lamar meter, and we will get that up at... Oh, yeah. You got to hit the button to mute the... Uh, yeah, that's the way that's got to go. And we'll get that up at pressboxonline.com slash Lamar, where you can follow daily Lamar meter updates. This man was following daily Lamar meter updates and wanted to chime in the other day. And I made a joke, I used the uh, Ted Lasso meme that it was the first time you and I have ever disagreed. Everybody knows that's not true. We've disagreed plenty over the years, uh, most specifically about Miley Cyrus. He has a new gig. He is now with no laying up. He is a friend of ours. We used to hug it out every week. He is my buddy, Kevin Van Valkenburg, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Kevin, good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I feel like anytime I want to come on the show, I just need to comment on your Facebook page, and then I get an invite. I so never know when. That signal. Okay, wait a sure. second. I never know when you actually want to talk about something that like we can talk about on this show. As you know, I, <laughs> like I when when you're fighting with Lee Westwood, I find it quite compelling. Don't get me wrong, and you're obviously correct. It's just not really uh-huh. a topic for this show. You know what I mean? I so yeah. I never know I when you're in for it or not. So I do appreciate you sending out the bat signal that you're in for. It. I, before we get into that, sure. tell, tell everybody about the, the new gig. And for people that maybe are not as hardcore in golf, um, why it is that you partnered up with No Laying Up? Uh, I decided I wanted to write about golf uh, all the time. And I wanted to work for a smaller organization. And uh, so I left uh, ESPN. After 11 years of being there, uh, I, I turned down a contract extension and said, you know what, I want to go and do this uh, cool thing with a smaller media company. And I think uh, NLU is the sort of best place to, to be writing about golf, and I get to do all different kinds of things. And It's just a fun place to work. I have good friends who are my uh, co-workers and bosses, I guess, and I get to go to all the majors again and all that stuff, and I was a little bit sort of weary of football, so uh, mm. we'll see. I might, I might write about football again someday, but right now I'm just uh, going to do a little bit of golf for a while. I think it's really cool, by the way. You, you know I'm not a, a big golf person, but I actually, because you had been doing like many podcast appearances with those guys and events and things like that, yeah. I had 
come across Noah laying up because of your Twitter account. And if I were into golf, it would probably be the place that I would go for golf. And I just think it's a it's a kind of a breath of fresh air for making you know I I boy I don't want to use the term growing the game because there's a lot of wink wink nudge nudge about that isn't there um but Indeed. but but you know what I mean like it's I I feel what it is that you're feeling and why you were energized by joining a group like that there's still time for you to get into golf but I know, I know. You can get the boys out Kevin, there Kevin, you, can, you know. you've been trying for 15 years like it's just not <laughs> It's not I, my listen, thing, and everybody you, has things that aren't their things. And it's I don't I, I trust me, you know I don't hate golf. It's just not my thing. That's all. I just don't. I don't know if you're giving it a real chance, but, but that's okay. Uh, you know, there's right. still time. Right. When you're 50, you're gonna be like, man, <laughs> right. what can I do with my children that right. also involves like drinking oh, and sunshine? No, and, yeah, yeah. Kevin, have yeah. I told you I completely stopped drinking? Like I don't drink at all anymore. Like not even a little. Well, look bit. at you. Um, uh, no, I'm going to be a pickleball man. Like that's the way it's going to go. Okay. I'm like, at some point right now I hate the pickleball people cause they take up my tennis courts. But one of these oh, days, okay. like my joints are going to get a little bit achier and I'm going to say, Nope, it's time. I am that guy now. Okay. I'm going to be a pickleball. And I don't know if you've heard, <laughs> it's the world's most popular sport right now. So that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah that's, the, <laughs> that's the way it goes. All right, pal. So I'm going to read what Kevin wrote, uh, in response to oh. Lamar meter update. Uh, back when I moved it as high as it's been, I moved it to 74%. By the way, that's where we are in local sports media. I'm sure you miss it a great deal, uh, what we're doing around yeah. here. I've, I'm doing a lamar meter That's where I am. Kevin says, I feel like if there was an offer out there for him, I would have received it by – or he would have received it by now. He has a right to be frustrated that Watson, a worse player, will get more – will get money he'll never see. But other teams can't pay for the Haslam's bad decisions. And here's what's yeah. here's what's unique about this. I actually disagree on multiple fronts. So let Ooh, me all let, right. Tell let, me more. Let me start with the back end of it. Which is the bad okay. decision? Is the bad decision to fully guarantee an amount of money that to this point literally every quarterback has totally gotten in every contract they've done? Or is the bad decision to go into a season with Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter as your options at quarterback. Which is the bad decision? See, I'm just writing from the perspective of Lamar, <clears throat> where I think, like, he, no team is going to say, we'll repeat the Haslam's bad decision and give you $200 million guaranteed because that is going to sort of then make Joe Burrow say he wants $220 million right. guaranteed. Of course. Patrick Mahomes' next contract needs to be 300 million guaranteed. Like NFL teams, whether it's, you want to call it collusion or not, have drawn a line in the sand and basically said, we're not doing what the dumbass Haslam's did. And so this is where we're going to basically say, like, good luck, dog. Like, we, we can't give you this deal. And I think that's frustrating for Lamar, but you have to sort of understand that, like, the Haslam's are not good owners. They were in such a sort of situation where no one wanted to play for that franchise. They were out of the Deshaun Watson sort of thing. And I think that Watson contract is going to look worse and worse every year as it goes on because he was awful last year. Yeah, and, you know, people are saying, oh, he was a little bit better at the back end of it. But, you know, he's just not going to be the same player that he was. And even in his best season, what did Houston go, 5-12 and 12 or yeah, whatever? Look, so, I, I, I get it. Like, I get it. But, but again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same thing. Like, uh, Deshaun Watson is unique, and you might end up being right about that. What I would say is – you felt like you had a chance. If you go into this, the, the premise of the owner saying it's a bad decision doesn't work for me 
because the Washington Commanders are slated to go into a season with Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell as their quarterback options. They're irrelevant on day one. On day one, they might as well not participate in the NFL season. Now, they're going to have a new I mean, owner. I mean, be... a little better than you think, but, but I, I don't disagree with the premise entirely. Uh, don't, don't drag Jacoby Brissett that in, in, in the, context... the statistics show that he's been a lot better than a lot of I, quarterbacks. I, I, I think it's totally possible they could go 9-8 and eight with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback, right? I think they could, okay. could totally do that. That's purgatory. Like, that is the worst thing that can happen in the NFL because you're too good to go get a superstar quarterback and you're not good enough to compete to win something of relevance. Like, that's, okay. that's what he is. So I I can't – when we say it's a bad decision to fully guarantee a deal, every single one of these deals has paid out to the number that was in the contract to begin with because things would have to go so drastically bad in order for you to not pay out the – like maybe Russell Wilson will end up becoming the first one that doesn't get all of his money. It's possible. I'd still bet against it at this point, but it's possible that Russell Wilson will become the first quarterback to get this type of contract that doesn't see every penny of it. So the difference in order to get the quarterback is that you just go ahead and say, well, we know we're going to pay it, so we'll fully guarantee it anyway, and we have to put money in escrow. And what we're doing is buying our way out of utter and complete irrelevance in order to do it. If I'm – Washington, if I'm Atlanta, and again, Atlanta thinks they're going to be able to draft their quarterback, so maybe they end up coming off the board and they feel like they have a chance. But if I'm one of these teams that is completely irrelevant in football, I, I, I just can't buy the premise. I can't sell to another human being that the bad decision would be to fully guarantee a guy that would make us vastly more relevant on day one. And you know what? If maybe Lamar Jackson had finished the last two seasons – that would be a better argument. But the fact that he has missed the most important stretch of both seasons is a pretty bad argument for Lamar to say, like, hey, I'll be there through the end of that deal. You're telling me that all those deals have been paid out? Great. How many of those guys missed, what, eight, nine games over the last half of the season? There's two playoff runs that the Ravens basically you know, lost in Lamar Jackson's most valuable part of his contract. So whether he sort of wants to sort of you know, admit that or not, that's a factor in it. And you can sit there and tell me, well, you know, that's, that's not a fair because, you know, that was a sort of random thing that he ended up hurting his knee. Guess what? He still got hurt both of those two seasons. And so the, the, when I'm looking at the deal as an owner, I'm saying, what if I get Lamar Jackson for one season, he blows out his knee, misses another season, then he comes back and we're not sure if he's any good for his third season. All of that is like a very real factor in this. And that's always what Lamar has had to sort of, sort of go up against because of his style of play. And what makes Lamar special is that thing that helps him take off and turn on the afterburners. And I just don't know that I – I've been a huge freaking supporter of Lamar Jackson I, I for know. a long time. And I, I still believe that I would not sign him to a $200 million deal specifically because he's shown he cannot stay healthy. Kevin, Kevin Van Valkenburg is with us here on GCR. In the first decade of his career, he's missed as many games as Tom Brady, who is, of course, the most stable quarterback of all time, and he's played as many games as Matthew Stafford, who I don't think has missed a game since. And it's not to say that, like, I think there's nothing to what you're saying because it obviously stands out that it happened to be the end of the season both times that he got hurt, right? Like, that's, that's insanely bad luck that it worked out that way. But he also didn't get hurt as a runner either time. And the thing that he's done better than anybody in the history of football is he never takes those hits. Like, that's – it's kind of a fallacy when we suggest that, right? Like, 
he's so good at this and not taking those hits in part because he's just that fast, in part is nobody can catch him from behind. He can see exactly where one of these is coming. And admittedly, at some point in his career, that speed won't be able to win out all of the time. Like, he'll get into his 30s, and he won't just be that much faster than everybody else. Someone will be capable of catching him from behind. But I, I just I don't think you can make a logical argument about that when you know that both of the injuries have come when he has been a passer. I just think like over the life of it, like you're you're essentially like playing the percentages. He's going to take more hits. He doesn't get rid of the ball sometimes when he's trying to make plays happen. The the hits that he took where he hurt his knee, yeah, they didn't come on a run, but they came because he was trying to sort of create something and scramble. It's not as simple as like, hey, yes, the he guy was outside the pocket. takes a that's, drop back yeah. and throws a, yeah, throws a five yard you know slant. Mm-hmm. Like it's Lamar's not going to sort of be that person. Yep. So I just don't think I quite agree with the premise of like. Because they didn't come on a literal run, I mean, it, he's just going to take more hits over the life of it because he's—that's what makes him special. Is but, creativity but I guess, I guess my question. So, so would you say you can't play pay any quarterback who plays outside the pocket? Like you know, like, I, and I'm not trying to to be like. Would you say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes, who constantly operates outside of the pocket? I would say that Patrick Mahomes has shown that he can stay a little bit more healthy. Like, I, listen. If you're the Ravens and you want us to guarantee this deal and say, here's your 200 million, more power to you. Like, he better elevate, you know, other people around him. There better not be any complaints about, like, you know, the receiver's core isn't good enough, this and that, because it's going to create a huge burden. The, but the biggest problem with the Ravens is that they kind of probably miss their window. That's when they I could agree pay him yes. at a reasonable amount yes. for that first five years, he missed those playoff games. He right. missed those playoff runs. And that sucks, but, he, but that happened. And so now it gets a lot freaking harder. That's why that loss to the Titans is still going to sting forever because they were the best team in football that year. No question. And they didn't show up for that game. And that was the window right there. When everything was, everyone was pretty much healthy, that team didn't have any injuries that whole year. And you can look back and say like, oh, well, you know, you can't look in the past, whatever. Okay, well, but now you got to pay him $50 million a year. That means you might not be able to sign Mark Andrews. That means you might not – you have to draft receivers – who then can suddenly play in year one and two. Uh, yeah, they have you can't to get, get a running back that's right. going to be They have to draft, as, you know. yes. They have to draft, and that's not something that, like, again, the last time they paid their quarterback, they completely s the bed when it came to drafting. It was the worst stretch of drafting that they've ever had. Meanwhile, you know, again, the point would be that the comparison, the Chiefs had to pay their quarterback. It, the cap hit, and I get it, Patrick Mahomes is better than Lamar Jackson. Don't get me – I'm not trying to pretend like there's a world where Lamar Jackson is just as good. Patrick Mahomes is probably the most talented quarterback in the history of football, but the story that everybody missed last year was that they were able to overcome things because they drafted, because they, they did the yeah. thing. They had a phenomenal draft last year, and that's how you make up for paying your quarterback. Kevin Van Valkenburg is with us here on GCR. I, I, I'll, I'll come back to two things. If I thought the debate was about the total money in the deal or how much he's going to cost you against the cap, these things would be more relevant to me, right? Like, if, if the Ravens were really debating, do we want Lamar Jackson to cost us $50 million against the cap next season, or is that going to hurt us too much? I think there would be a warranted debate about that. But they're not. Like, they've decided they're good with that. They know exactly how much he's going to cost them against the cap. It's the uniqueness of how further into the contract you're willing to guarantee that. And we all know the cap is slated to go up by about $20 million per year for the next few years. So that's the part that still strikes me. Why are you afraid of the fifth year, the fourth or the fifth year of this contract if you know the cap is going to go up so drastically between now and then that at that point we know that every quarterback 
is going to be getting. By that point, Daniel Jones will be making $60 million a year. <laughs> Honestly, Glenn, I just don't think that they think that he's good enough to be healthy over the long run and that he's like progressing enough as a passer. I, I legitimately think that's a real concern. Nobody talks about that. Everyone acts like, oh, you know, Lamar's already like the deal. I've heard plenty of stuff that they just are not quite as sold as him on him in terms of his, like his overall long-term growth as a quarterback. And, you know, whether that's hearsay so, so or whether that's they, I, you know, I, I true guess, or not, I just don't know that I think that they're – look, we'll come at this from people who also lived in this town for 20 years and, and lived in this sort of dearth of like, oh, no question. quarterbacking. has been terrible for a yeah. long time. You know, we, we pretended that Joe was like – an elite player for a long time when he maybe wasn't because it was like starving people in the desert looking for a drink of water. No question. And I just think like if I'm trying to hold on to my job for 20 years by Merrick DaCosta, I'm looking at this like I don't know that I can make this kind of long-term mistake. But you were willing if to I offer think that him. He's in the fifth year, yeah. he's going to be garbage. Like, and I, and I think <laughs> but, they probably want some sort of larger commitment from Mar. Like, are you going to work as hard as you originally sure, did? Sure. Are you going to sort of, you know, progress in ways that we need you to progress? And look, I, I've heard plenty of things privately, but I would go back to if you feel that way, why did you offer him the second most guaranteed money in the history of football? Like, I, I think <laughs> that they've probably decided, like, there is a line where we're going to have to draw this. I mean, what, at some point, then, what does any number mean? Like, if there is no line, they've decided, all right, like, this is what we feel comfortable with. Like, this is what we're going to go for. And if we have to push beyond that, then we have to really philosophically say, we're not quite, you know, ready for that. I think it'll be really sad if Lamar leaves. I think it'll be a real bummer uh, for the town. I think it'll be a bummer for the franchise. I don't think that they'll have any luck at drafting, like, a future MVP because that's like a once-in-a-generation type thing, especially right. a quarterback. And so, you know, they probably should figure it out and figure out something that they all can live with. But I also understand philosophically why they might have this hesitation. They're like, you know what? Like, we might be totally screwed if we do this. Now, you can sit here and tell me, like, that's the NFL. And, you you're, you know, that's why the Packers felt like they had to re-sign Aaron Rodgers yeah, even though it turned into a one-year. What's, what's, the, what's the risk cost the other way? Like, how much, how much greater of a risk is it? That the fifth year of this deal doesn't work out versus you being the you know horrendous at the position at the only position on the field that actually matters. What tell me that's a greater risk than not having a quarterback in the NFL and having no hope of doing anything at all? Like I, I can't buy that. And Kevin, I, I'm not saying that this is you because I know you're speaking a hypothetical on this side of the team, but I can't buy any logical argument that there is a greater risk to, well, we can go three years on 133 fully guaranteed, but we can't do more than that because then we're taking a risk. If you don't have Lamar Jackson, my God, the risk that you're taking at that point. I I can't compare the two things in terms of risk. Maybe they're confident and they think they could sort of do this all over again, that they won't have to build the whole I mean, offense around him. I, I mean... I, I don't know... Like, that's but you know what arrogance drives a lot of people there's no doubt. thinking that you know things i mean they thought for a long time they could do that ozzy was sort of content with a lot of bad quarterbacks for a lot of years right and he was the one who mentored eric so i mean part of that has to sort of be factoring into like how they're going to do this going forward i, I maybe but I, have they earned that and i and i mean this as someone who thinks that more than not eric tacosta has done a pretty good job 
But we can't sure. pretend like they put rosters together that have Hall of Fame. This is not Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs, Marshall Yonda, Jonathan Ogden. They've had one Hall of Fame caliber player that they have, and that was a kicker. They haven't drafted a Hall of Fame caliber player unless we believe that Lamar Jackson will get there. They haven't drafted a Hall of Fame caliber player in over a decade. I, the, the hubris is misplaced if that's the case, and we have to be honest about that. They have not earned the right to me to say, well, we believe we can just do this all over again. Based on what? What are you using to justify that? There there have been some nice well, players. Inside the bubble, people tend to think differently. I'm sure that John and you know Eric are sitting there thinking, like, you know what? Like, if he didn't want to take this deal, like, we'll figure it out. We can we can remake well, this yeah, thing. I mean, Look what the Eagles did. Right. You know, they screwed up their long term right. quarterback and they got a MVP candidate. Then you know, in the a guy in the second round, maybe they're looking around and being like, well, let's find our Jalen Hurt. Right. And by the way, nobody's saying that, that it's impossible. Of course they could. I just don't know what we're basing on it, that there would be any amount of faith that they will, and that risk is significant. Let me, let me cover two other things, because I, I, I can't I, – you know how I am. I'd like to keep you for three hours. Um, in, in what it is that you said, the first one would be, so if, you know, if, if there was going to be a deal, would it be there already? I've said all along, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm not even – like there, there's no conversation until we get past the draft. Um, one of your former colleagues, Stephen Holder from ESPN, suggested in the last 24 hours the Colts are not out on Lamar Jackson, and so that could be a factor even before the draft. But if I'm Lamar Jackson, I need to know who thinks they're getting the quarterback. Like if the Falcons right now are saying they're out because they're convinced, they're looking up and saying, well, there's only three teams ahead of us that will take a quarterback. The fourth one will be sitting there for us. And all of a sudden the Detroit Lions, who aren't in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes, say, yeah, we like Jared Goff, but we're not sold on Jared Goff long-term. We can get out of his contract next year. Let's go ahead and take a quarterback at seven. And the Falcons are like, oh, crap, we thought we were drafting a quarterback. I I need to figure out who might get desperate after the draft before I'm even willing to have a conversation with you. Like, that desperation drove the Deshaun Watson market. Right now, nobody can be desperate because the draft can always be the place that you answer the problem but there is absolutely a scenario where multiple teams come out of the draft and still don't have their quarterback. Well, first of all, I think the thing that the idea that they're lying to get rid of golf is insanity because golf had a really good season last year and they're building something there. And I think that like the Ken Campbell is a huge, like culture fit guy. So yeah, whatever and that's fair. golf did there is basically like they're, they're sold on that dude for a while. And that contract they would have to pay Lamar more than they're paying Goff now. So it isn't really like, I don't right. think but Lamar's going to go there but and throw have for 4,400 yards. Here's Goff my question. Did. They'd have to give Goff an extension. Do you think they're willing to go over $50 million for Jared Goff? I don't know. It's a good question. Like this, uh, all of know, this is relevant. They might sort of let Goff play out that next year and figure it out. I mean. So you can always franchise Goff, too, and sort of see how that sort of stare down goes. Okay. I don't think Goff has quite a, the same kind of power. Uh, look, if I were Atlanta, I would – Totally, probably do the Lamar Jackson deal because Atlanta's in a sort of total morass of like, you know, and he would be a huge, huge star there. Yes. If you look at the, the best cultural fit you could pretty much find, you know, other than maybe Lamar in Miami. But uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think that they're. It's look. It's hard for billionaires to swallow this idea that like, you know, young men should command two hundred million dollars and. If you're dumb like the Haslam's, you can do it because you're desperate to sort of have some credibility. But I don't think Blank's going to do that. I just don't. And so I don't know. Maybe desperation will – you're right. Maybe the Colts will 
come out of this and be like, oh, it would be sweet if we had Lamar Jackson. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's a gamble. Also, like, is Lamar sitting here, like, refreshing ESPN.com and, like, reading Bill Barnwell and seeing, like, who needs the quarterback? Like, right. I, I don't know. That's part of the reason why having an agent would help, is they would sort of be able to understand the landscape and call Chris Fowler or call right. – I don't even remember who the Falcons GM is at this point and, like, oh, take their temperature and be like, hey, you know, what if – he were able to take willing to take 185 million. Would you be open to that? Like all those conversations aren't happening unless Lamar is like working the cell phone. And I doubt he is. I well, think he's just, I, I'm assuming the union is, is giving him some advice about that and like telling him, Hey, wait, wait on, thing. wait on this. And, and it kind of gets me to the thing that, that struck me the most over the weekend, Kevin, that I chose to write about. So like, you brought up collusion and it's, I think it's a very real conversation, but I'll, I'll throw in the other side of it, which even if it wasn't, you know, full-on collusion, I am more convinced, based on conversations I've had, that one of the biggest problems facing Lamar right now is the way the Ravens... The Ravens have essentially announced quite loudly to everyone in the way that they've gone about handling the deals they've done, we will clear whatever cap space necessary. Don't bother putting an mm-hmm. offer on the table. We're going to match it. Which yep. is, is kind of wild in the context of the conversation you and I were just having... But when you actually look at what they've done as they've structured the cap, there would be no other reason for them to go about doing certain things if it wasn't their way of saying, don't do it. Don't, you're wasting your time. You're screwing up whatever it is that your plan should be because whatever offer you put on the table, we're just going to match it anyway. So there's there's a twofold factor here, I think, for Lamar, which is you were told essentially, hey, we're going to put this tag on you. You go figure out what the market is. But now you're depressing yep. the market by not allowing for there to be a market. So I can't get that offer. Or you fear that you've been colluded against, which, of course, DeMora Smith made a statement about last week. If you feel like one of those two things have happened, if you feel like you haven't gotten a fair shake in this, how do you reconcile that? How do you just walk back and say, well, you got one over on me. Yeah, you know, I... I got to tip my cap to you. You screwed me. I'm going to have to go ahead and sign for whatever it is that you want me to sign for. I, I struggle with that. As a, as a man, I would struggle with that feeling. Yeah, I would too. I would be frustrated about it. But, you know, he, in some ways, he would have more power if he had, like, won a Super Bowl in his second season like Patrick Mahomes did. Or, you know, I, I just, I feel like, the opportunity, like all of this has sort of been building to this moment, right? And all of the things that Lamar needed to have that leverage, like didn't happen. And so ultimately, like, I think he could sort of look at it and say like, you know what, like this is frustrating and it sucks. And I feel like I'm getting screwed over here, but at some point, like, do I want to play ball and like make $45 million a year? Or do I want to sit out and be like, you know, a symbol of, you know, what I think is sort of collusion in the NFL. I don't think Lamar really wants that to be like his fight and his legacy. Do you? No, it's, I mean, it's, I, it's, look, it's so funny. If you're telling me like Lamar is going to be like, yeah, Kirk Kirk Flood, Flood, like right. let's do it. I'm it, all for it. it but it, I don't think that Lamar wants it, that. It's Kevin, what you're saying, I brought that up about three times in the last three weeks. And then literally our friend Bill Roden wrote about it over the weekend. And, and he and I kind of came to the same agreement. I don't think there's any world in which Lamar Jackson went into any of this thinking about that. But I do wonder at what point he experiences it happening to him, whatever the context is, whether it's just about breaking the franchise tag system, whether it's about the idea of collusion, whatever it is, that he experiences it happening to him, and it does shake him in some sort of way and say, 
nah, the answer to this isn't just going to be that I'm going to turn around and go play ball with this. That like I, This wasn't the point of all this, but I feel like I'm getting screwed in this process, and I feel like I have to do something in response to that. And I, I'm not ready to say that I think he's going to sit out for the year or something like that. I, I still think that's unlikely, but I, I can't say I think there's a 0% chance of it because I – I think it would be super awkward to feel like those things were happening to you and just say, all right, guys, you, you got me. Let's go ahead and play football and pretend like everything's okay. Well, I think the worst-case scenario is where he, like, doesn't get an offer from anyone. He's freaking pissed about it. Like, he either plays under the tag for the year and he's angry the whole time. And, like, he and John don't get along. And, like, there's this constant tension and everyone's pissed off. And then maybe he – you know, it doesn't push through an injury, and it's like a, just a disastrous year. All of that is very real, I think. Like, the stubbornness on everyone's side might just kind of continue to sort of move the ball forward, and all of a sudden it's like training camp. He's not there. They're pissed. Then he shows up, like, you know, a week before the season starts. Right. We're into this whole, like, mess of, like, you know, should he play, should he not play, because, you know, he's not ready, this and that. Like, does he – I think it could get real ugly, and I've been – saying that for I, I, I don't know if written it privately but I'm saying to friends like it's it's ugly it's potentially to get real ugly no and question. I think that's the in some ways that's the more likely scenario he doesn't leave but he's just like angry at him, at everyone so it sounds like we could end up having this conversation again in a couple of months <laughs> and do every aspect of it all over again which is just boy man you are you have no idea how lucky you are fighting with live bros on the internet there you go um, what's uh, what can I plug for you, pal? What what is it that I can drive people to? What 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 is it that I well, can do? Yeah, I'm going to the Masters uh, next week, and uh, so that'll be fun. I, uh, I, I know, you know or I guess it's in two weeks or whatever. But uh, you know, read my stuff from the Masters. Check check out the NLU pod. Uh, I know you, you, you've you've played Augusta before, right? Like you got that one year, didn't I you? I have not. No, oh, I have you not. Are not. Oh, no. oh. So you're are you? Do you sweat about it every year? Like, are you? Are, well, I haven't gotten to go the last three years. Okay. Which is part of the reason I ended up going to LU is I really want to go back to the Masters, got and uh, so I'm I'm hopeful that uh, whether I get to play or not, it's sort of like a secondary thing. But that'd be nice to get to play there if we win the lottery, just to sort of say I did it once. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Uh, at K Van Valkenburg is how you follow him on Twitter. I love you, buddy. Let's get together soon. Thank you for hopping on with me this morning. I really appreciate it. Oh, you, you bet. You bet. It's Kevin Van Valkenburg, our friend, and he's now with No Laying Up, uh, formerly of ESPN and the Baltimore Sun. And, you know, I, I appreciate the conversation. We, we, we fundamentally disagree about a couple of things, but that's okay. You're allowed to disagree. Nobody's, I can't tell you that I'm right and he's wrong. I just. I have different opinions about things. I have different opinions about what bad decisions are. I have different opinions about, you know, what you should do as a franchise, where risk is, all of those types of things. I'd like to take a break, if it's possible. Okay, I'd like to do that. Hour number one of today's show is also brought to you by <clears throat> PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Bet Fred is Maryland's newest sports book. And you can bet baseball with Bet Fred. Get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets, along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up through PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. And that's the point. you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and click on the Bet Fred link in order to do it, or else you're not going to be able to take advantage of it. 
We'll talk some Terps. We'll talk some tournament. That's coming up with Patrick Stevens next. Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs like real estate sales. And the best part, funding is available for those who qualify. Real estate sales is a lucrative career that can provide a stable income and flexibility. With CCBC's real estate sales program, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in this exciting field. Call us at 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Real Estate Sales. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Tuesday edition of the program. Don't forget the gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
It's Tuesday. On Tuesdays, we talk college sports with our friend Patrick Stevens, Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine. Patrick, good morning, my friend. How are you? Well, and you? I'm all right. Uh, Brian Rupel had himself a weekend, huh? He sure did, uh, among some other people for, for Maryland. No they doubt. picked off Virginia on Saturday in overtime, which you know was a, a real – it was, first of all, it was a game – I don't know if it necessarily felt like May, but it felt like an awesome prelude to May. Um, Maryland winning that game in overtime, getting beat up a little bit in the first half by Virginia's defense, figuring things out. And like you say, Brian Rupel coming up huge with three saves in the overtime period in about a 10-second span. Finished with 14 on the game. Uh, really, I thought, an impressive showing for a, for a Maryland team that I think, unlike in some past years, like last year at this time, like you knew how good Maryland could be, right? Like you had an idea what Maryland's feeling was. And this year, I don't think we know, uh, but that certainly gives the indication in tandem with that triple OT loss to Notre Dame a few weeks back that Maryland's feeling might be good enough to be playing on the last day of the season this year. So it feels to me like that win kind of got them back. Like it, I'm sort of separating my mind. It feels like right now there are four teams that are the best teams in lacrosse at the moment. There's Notre Dame, Maryland, Virginia, Duke, and then there's kind mm-hmm. of everybody else after that, which isn't to say that one of those teams couldn't rise, <clears throat> but it felt like that's what that win accomplished, was making sure they were in that first group of, of teams that legitimately we can look at and believe are title contenders. Yeah, I, I think there's a second group that's Cornell and maybe Rutgers and maybe Villanova Okay, um, that, that's in that next tier. But I, I agree with you that, that I was certainly thinking after having seen Duke a week earlier, after having seen Notre Dame against Georgetown, knowing what Virginia was doing to people, that, that it was a group of three and, and Maryland has elbowed its way into that group. And, you know, it was funny. Rupel said something like, you know, you got – you can't count out the Terps, you know. And I, I thought it was interesting that that was a group that, you know, they that was they were comfortable, even though it's not a lot of the same guys on defense. It is with 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 uh, Brett Maycar and right. Ajax Sapatello, who were who were both fantastic the other day. Uh, other, and, uh, other than a very know, uncharacteristic decision from Brett Maycar in overtime. <laughs> That's yeah, aside <laughs> from that. Yeah. Uh, but but overall, like. Like they, you know, they took away the top two guys for Virginia. I think if if you had asked uh, John Tillman if if he would be happy with Schellenberger and Dixon combining for two two goals and two assists uh, in that game, I think he would have signed up for it in a heartbeat uh, at the start of the game. Sure. So uh, I I look at I look at that Maryland team, and the, the interesting thing to me is that there is room for that offense in particular to get better. Hmm. Uh, there is room for them, you know for Daniel Kelly to, you know, be better as he gets more experience. There's room for Jack Brennan and Jack Corus. Now, Corus had a fabulous game the other day with four goals. Uh, but there, there is, there's an upside there. And, and do they get there? I don't know. It's like last year, you know, to go back to the comparison, like you, you knew who was going to be there in the end, sure. right? Like you knew, you, you knew Logan Wisnoskis was going to get his. You knew the year before Jared Bernhardt was going to get his. So you don't necessarily know if there is that guy that's going to put up three and two game after game after game. But there's some potential for some upside there compared to what we saw in the opening weeks of the season. And I think that makes them, in some ways, more interesting than last year when they just simply blitzed through everything. Right. Yeah, that doesn't make them better, but I think it makes them a little more interesting. 
Um, it feels like the last two weeks, and I'm not trying to oversell any of the particular opponents because I know Syracuse is not very good and Navy has been very disappointing, but it, it still feels like Hopkins handling their business in these three games is noteworthy in them being an NCAA tournament team, in them making the progress that they needed to make as a program this season. Well, they've already matched their win total from last year. Yeah. They got the seven. So that in and of itself constitutes progress. I think, too, you know, having been at Homewood on Sunday and watching Delaware kind of royal, royal things a bit and go from down four to, to up four, uh, just in a, in a really in an incredible burst there, um, was really impressed with how you know Hopkins responded to that, and and Hopkins was able to get back into it. And first of all, you know it's funny we're talking about some great performances in that Virginia Maryland game. I'm not sure I've seen a long ball play as well as Alex Mazzone did wow. uh, against Delaware. He had 12 ground balls. He's working on the faceoff wing and also defending. Uh, he was on uh, Mike Robinson for a good chunk of the day. Uh, and and they, they just locked down and played really, really well. Now, things got a little chippy at the end. I know Ben DeLuca was understandably upset, the Delaware coach, that the uh, goalie, Matt Kilkiri, who had an awesome game, had 19 saves, 15 of them in the middle two quarters, um, that, that he was injured there in the last minute to minute and a half or so. Uh, but overall, you know, I think the, the other interesting thing about this is that, is that Hopkins dominated this thing statistically. Shots were 48-26, ground balls were 49-23. It's not like there was a huge turnover disparity. I mean, it was close in large part because of, of the goalie play for Delaware. Uh, but Hopkins locked down in the end, and they kept Delaware scoreless there uh, for more than 23 minutes up until an extra man goal in the final minute. And so... I agree with you. I think Hopkins has, by and large, handled its business. You're not going to sit there and point at Hopkins and say, yeah, we're going to hold that Virginia loss against you, or we're going to hold the Loyola loss against you in all likelihood, and even the Carolina loss. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if there's a ton on their profile already that you're going to sit there and, and say that's definitely going to get you into the tournament. You know, the Georgetown win is starting to look a little bit better. They're the only team to beat Jacksonville, uh, and they have a St. Joe's win. Uh, but there's still work for them to do, but they're obviously in a much, much better place than they were in either of the last two seasons after Peter Milliman took over for various reasons. Patrick Stevens is with us here on GCR. By the way, if you've not seen the sequence of saves that Brian Rupel made in overtime on Saturday, I mean, it's just one of the most ridiculous stretches of goaltending you'll ever see. I mean, it, it's it's truly unbelievable. I retweeted it yesterday, but just search Brian Rupel and you'll find it. It's unbelievable what he did in order to, uh, to keep that alive for Maryland to go win the game. Um, Patrick, just uh, some quick thoughts as Maryland's basketball season ends. As far as, like, what's next, clearly there's a couple of guys who have decisions to make, and I would imagine in going about building a roster, which is, you know, like now a thing in college basketball with the transfer portal, that a lot of it it's going to uh, – what they need and what, he, you know, Kevin Willard might be looking for will be dependent upon you know, which guys make their decisions about taking a fifth year. Yes. I mean, you obviously have Jameer Young, Dante Scott, and Hakeem Hart. And for all three of those guys, but Young in particular, um, you you are much happier if you have a guy say, sure, I'll stick around for another season right. that I have to play with because of COVID, rather than have to go fish in the portal and, and try to find somebody. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're Maryland, uh, your outlook on the rest of the offseason kind of 
begins with what those three decisions are and whether those guys decide to remain at Maryland for another year, whether they decide to remain at the college level for another year. Right. Uh, and, and none of them can be faulted for saying, you know what, I've been in college four years and you know, I, I think it's time for me to go get paid to play somewhere. Uh, it doesn't matter where that somewhere is, it, 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 that that's an option and they're viable options. Uh, but there's absolutely no doubt that if you have three fifth-year guys back like that, that it helps solve some things. And obviously there's a couple other uh, holes that will open up on the roster. You know, obviously Don Carey's done and, and Patrick Emelian as well. Uh, so those two guys uh, obviously uh, have probably between them, what, about 35, 40 minutes or so of, <laughs> Per yeah. game, maybe a little bit more than yeah. that, yeah. Uh, to fill in, and obviously freshmen will play a little bit of a role in that. But it also would not be surprising if there is a portal addition or two, just to kind of help fill things out for next year, regardless of whether Young, Scott, and Harder back or not. Uh, two jobs got filled yesterday. Ed Cooley officially takes the Georgetown job, and of course Rick Pitino officially takes the St. John's job. Uh, Coppin is available. I, Patrick, I don't have the I, the first idea of who would be a fit for the Coppin State job. I you know, I can run through all of the the guys that maybe wanted it the last couple yeah, the Eric Skeeters of the world, the Bino Ransoms uh-huh. of the world. I, I it is such it, I try explaining it to people. It is so unique and so different even in comparison to other MIAC or HBCU jobs. I have no clue who the right fit is for Coppin State. Well, Coppin has had one winning has not had a winning season since 2010-11, and it has been above 500 in the MEAC just once uh, since 2011-12. So you are dealing with an uphill battle. You've already had a race to the portal uh, more so than any other program in the area, and understandably so, right? Because yep. you don't yep. have a head coach at this point. So you know Sam Sessoms was a grad student; he's going to be gone anyway. But Nenda Tark. I believe it was Justin Steers, Justin Wilson, Justin Winston, sorry, and Greg Spurlock all into the portal already. I, I don't know what they do. I really don't. Like, it's just, that is a really, really hard sell. And, you know, I keep going back to the idea of, well, you know, well, Fang Mitchell did a great job, and he, he had them, in, you know, in first place all those years, and then went to a handful of tournaments. And it's just, like, that, that league is different now. Like, there's schools that were not remotely interested in being all that great in, in basketball back then that are interested in being decent now. Like, I mean, Morgan State wasn't really trying very hard back then. Morgan State's trying now. Howard wasn't trying then. Howard's trying now. That's a league that didn't have Norfolk State and NC Central, and, and those are two programs uh, that are very viable. Maryland Eastern Shore wasn't trying then, really, and is now. And so you have a lot working against you in terms of resources in terms just in just in terms of money in general. I mean, that is not a job that's going to pay a whole lot. Nope. It's not a job that, that, that has, you know, the way to win there as much as any get, I mean, the way that the Fang won was he got a bunch of Juco kids that came in and he had a lockdown on Juco kids out of that Philadelphia Camden area and was able to fill it out that way. Um, but it is, it is a hard gig. It is a hard gig, and, and I don't know I don't know how realistically you know viable you're going to be there without getting really really lucky, um, and and you don't know what the future of the league is going to look like. You've already seen it in the last five years go from thirteen teams to eight, yep. and you know as a football league they're down to six, and so if you start to see 
you know, Howard looking at something else. And there were certainly, you know, mumblings last year that Howard was looking to get out. And, you, you know, it's possible that Delaware State and Morgan State might be appealing to, to a FCS league in the Northeast. And it might be very possible that Norfolk and South Carolina State and NC Central or some combination of them might be appealing to a, a FCS league in the South. Yeah. And so that kind of leaves Coppin and, and also Maryland Eastern Shore, to be quite candid, in, in a really kind of dicey situation because they don't have football and they don't have obvious landing spots. And if that league does disintegrate in the next few years, and there's no guarantee it will, but it's certainly not an impossible scenario, uh, then, then that makes the basketball gigs at those jobs, and, and Coppin in particular, you know, even even more harrowing, just because what, what's what's your what's your Division One no future doubt. at that point? Because no you, you just don't know. I, it, but other than that, it's a great gig. <laughs> other than that, sign right up to go take the Coppin gig. Uh, really quickly before we get to our game, uh, obviously Alabama, Houston considered the favorites now at this point for the title, and, and Houston obviously injuries are, are significant in that. But is there maybe one other team that you look at and say maybe maybe deserves a little bit more consideration as a specifically as a title contender? Yeah, I'd probably throw UCLA in there as that team. Okay. Um, you know, they obviously are not whole uh, with their own injury issues, but gosh, they defend, and and you know, I. I try to remind myself every year at this time, you have to score to win. Like, that's like kind of the thing. So, you know, I would say whoever comes out of that UCLA-Gonzaga game, even though this is not vintage Gonzaga, they, they still have decent guard play. It's not as good as it's been in the past, but still decent. And they'll still have, you know, best player on the floor most times that they, that they play the rest of the way, uh, thanks to Drew Timmy. Now, we've also been reminded in the first weekend of the tournament Guess what? You have a great big guy that doesn't yeah. guarantee anything. Yep. Um, because because so many of those guys have been have been left basically in in the wreckage of the first weekend. Whether it's Jackson Davis yeah. at Indiana, Zach yeah. Edie at Purdue, Chabway at Kentucky, yep. on and on the list goes. So you know, I, I will also say that you know Texas has been a really solid team yeah. under Rodney Terry since he took over. And that is going to be a tricky game for Houston, potentially in a regional final in Kansas city. I'm, I'm not sure I trust anybody in that East bracket uh, up at Madison square garden. Although I, I will say it, it is hard not to like Kansas state when you watch them with Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson uh, but I, I, I tend to agree with you that Alabama, Houston, and then throw in the UCLA-Gonzaga winner is probably the, the, the top teams left in the field at this the, point. The shots that Kansas State was hitting at the end of that game were just absolutely bonkers, man. Just nuts. They couldn't miss. All right, let's play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB team that this particular player has played for? I have a theme for you this week because uh, Japan, in dramatic fashion, won at the World Baseball Classic last night. I have two Japanese players uh, the first one, a little bit trickier, but uh, not only was once an all-star, I had forgotten, won a World Series, and was MVP of the ALCS. I completely forgot about that. There are four teams for Koji Uehara. Well, that would be what, Texas yep. and Baltimore and Boston? Yep, and then finished up in 2017. Finished in 2017 in, oh, God. Um, Texas? No, we said Texas. Colorado, no. let's say. No, it was it was the Cubs. It was the Cubs. It okay. Was the last stint for Koji, and then an active player. So four teams so far. 
for the great, and for some reason isn't starting this game tonight, You Darvish. You Darvish has been with Texas and the Cubs, and he's currently with San Diego. Yes, and right? he, was, he was a trade deadline acquisition back in 2017. 2017 trade deadline acquisition, you Darvish. Where did he go that year? Um, this was from Texas to somewhere else, right? Yeah, this would have been, yes, correct. Texas to somewhere else uh, that year. Um, not really entirely sure, but I'll throw Boston out there. You're going to kick yourself over it. It was the Dodgers. It's always it the was Do- the Dodgers. It's okay. always the Dodgers. It was uh, not really a much in the trade. By the way, they gave up Willie Calhoun and Brendan Davis. It was really not a whole lot that they had to give up in order to acquire you, Darvish. At that point, uh, what's on the docket for you this week, my friend? Uh, we'll be heading over and doing a lacrosse doubleheader on Saturday. Lehigh and Georgetown, followed by Penn State. Very good. At Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter is always how you follow him. Thank you, sir. We will talk to you again next Tuesday, all right? Awesome. Have a good one. It's Patrick Stevens with us here on GCR, as he is every Tuesday. Appreciate him doing that. Our number one of today's show, In the Books, it has been brought to you by Birdland Sports. They have so many cool shirts available for you right now, including this The Mountain Felix Batista shirt, which is available also, they have uh, leaned into some other things that we love, like, you know, the wire, and they do the, the the birds are coming shirt with the Oriole bird. They do the brick lettering wire shirt. They've got the 2023 World Series Champs shirt available. It's, it's a company built by birds fans for birds fans. Price is cheaper than the big guys. You don't lose anything in terms of the quality. Birdland Sports. Check them out. Birdlandsports.com is the website. Again, birdlandsports.com is the website for you to get your shirts. And you still, even as we're getting closer, have plenty of time that you will receive yours. You order this week, you're going to have them in plenty of time for opening day. Birdlandsports.com. Speaking of the birds, let's talk a little Orioles right now. We'll link it up on our Twitter account at Glenn Clark Radio, but our next guest wrote at length about Adley Rutschman as he now kind of moves into just plain old superstar mode. Like, that's the expectation that surrounds Adley Rutschman as we begin the 2023 season. Longtime MLB writer and author. He is our friend, Mr. Tyler Kepner, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Tyler, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Sure. How's it going? Everything is going all right, uh, Tyler. And and there's far more excitement, obviously, in Baltimore about the start of baseball season than there's been in a little while. And as you point out, so much of that has to do with the presence of what we believe to be a true superstar. But let, let me ask you this question as fairly as I can. Is there any danger that we have wildly anointed Adley Rutschman, remembering that he was a 254 hitter a year ago, and remembering that there have been a number of players that have suffered a bit in their second season as you know pitchers adjust a little bit. Is there any danger to our assumption that Adley Rutschman right now is truly the guy that we always thought he would be? Um, I don't really think so. I, I, I don't know why he wouldn't be. I mean, uh, you know, I had to do a, like a top 10 list at each position thing for 
uh, MLB radio. And, and I was like, you know, who's, who would you rather have at catcher right now besides JT real Muto? And I couldn't think of anybody. Um, so I already think he's, he's basically the, the second best catcher in baseball. If, if, if not the second, then certainly, you know, in the top five already. And this is a guy who hadn't played the big leagues before last night. Um, but I think he, he comes with a, a lot of maturity that you, you, that a typical rookie wouldn't really have. I mean, he was not just a college draftee, but um, a, a winning, you know, a, a college player, college World Series winner. Um, so he came with a with a with a great pedigree, and you know, was groomed um, fairly carefully through the minors. And, and so I, I think it's reasonable to expect that he has expect what we've seen, which is that he's hit the ground running, and and you know, two fifty four. Um, compared to the rest of the league last year, was right. was better than average. Yep. Um, and all the other underlining numbers were great too. So I and I ask this again, knowing it's not a fair way for us to view him, but this is where we are in the midst of you know hope and a rebuild. I, Adley Rutschmer could could be an outstanding catcher, and I, I I loathe to put it in the same conversation. Matt Weeters was a really good catcher in Baltimore, Tyler. It's just that. We thought that mm-hmm. Matt Weeters was going to be Joe Mauer, right? And in fact, we we, did, we thought that he was going to be better than Joe Mauer, and and he wasn't. And so when we talk about Matt Weeters in Baltimore, we talk about him as a bust, which is insane. It's completely unfair to a really good baseball player. The Orioles, like Adley Rutschman, is the centerpiece, and we think that Gunnar Henderson might be very good, and we think that you know behind that Colton Kowser, the Heston Kerstad might be coming back around. Is there any danger that we have oversold that like he could be an outstanding catcher, a a true game changer, but if we think that he's Buster Posey, if we think that he's, you know, Ivan Rodriguez, something like that, that maybe as an offensive player, that's too much for us to assume about Adley Rutschman. Well, it, it may be in the sense that um, you know, catching is such a demanding position and right. it tends to tends to bring down the offense a little bit. Um, but like you say, there, there, there have been plenty of examples of, of really good offensive catchers. I think the Orioles are being smart about how they plan to use him. Um, you know, I don't know if anyone really saw that the, them trading for James McCann, you know, a veteran catcher who's, who's not quite in that like backup catcher mode. Like he, you know, he, he's going to play a little bit and, and, and get Rushman off his out of the, out of the squat all game. Yeah. Um, you know, so so I think that's I think that's really wise that they're that they're already thinking in those terms, knowing that they have a centerpiece who plays the most demanding position, and they're going to want to get him in the lineup every day. Um, you know, with a, with a handful of exceptions. So they you know they, they've 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 made accommodations for that, and I think that'll help keep him fresh, and hopefully in the long term give him a a little bit longer career maybe than a than a Mauer and a Posey behind the plate. Is it reasonable to assume that he can be so good to take what is, I think we could fairly say, a nondescript? Like, I don't want to. I think the Orioles have more in the starting pitching department than they've had in a very long time, but that obviously has more to do with where the bar is than what they have. They have an interesting group of guys that could be quality major league pitchers or have been in Kyle Gibson at times. And Grayson Rodriguez is the one guy that stands out that might be a true game changer of that group. Is it, is it too much to believe? that the difference in this pitching staff can really be the presence of Adley Rutschman helping to make them that much better than maybe they are on paper. Well, I think he, he does, I think he does help. Um, and I, and I think he will help even more as he, you know, as he goes along, um, and, and learns more at the league and everything. Um, certainly the, the conditions there in Baltimore are much better for, 
for pitchers um, no than doubt. they had been. I, I'm not, you know, super excited about about the the rotation, you know, as it compares to to some of the other rotations around the game. But some of that is the unseen, though. Like, you know, we don't know exactly what they're going to get from a Grayson Rodriguez and how good he's going to be if he comes on the scene and he's, you know, he, he's a rookie pitcher like uh, Jose Fernandez 10 years ago or, or like, you know, Dwight Gooden or somebody. Right. I mean, then that is a game changer. Right. Um, so we don't really know. Um, but, you know, they they I, they could have done more, certainly, to, to, to bolster that rotation and maybe get you a little more excited about hanging with um, – the Blue Jays and maybe the Yankees, but look, the Yankees have a ton of problems too. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're no short thing. I think it's great to have actual optimism in Baltimore, even if it's, if it's a little, um, you know, a little, a little cautious now, um, cause they may not quite be where they're going to go, uh, in a year or two. Tyler Kepner is with us here on GCR, New York times, of course, the author of the grandest stage, a history of the world series, which uh, it's a really fun book. I greatly enjoyed the 1983 World Series part. You can pick that up on Amazon today. Uh, Tyler, you referenced in the story like the, the Orioles made some moves that all on paper, like I, I can make the argument that they are absolutely better in certain areas than they were a year ago on paper. Um, even even if you don't add in the fact that they've got a full year of Adley Rutschman and full year of Gunnar Henderson and you know whoever might still be coming, but they didn't. To your point, go out and you know. Get, make the big splash, and they didn't sort of announce, hey, we're serious now. And, of course, we've always in Baltimore measured it against Michael Elias using the phrase lift off from here. What did you make of their strategy this offseason? Are, are you of the belief that they would be ready if this team got off to a good start and if they look like a contender to make a, a serious move, to take on some actual money next year? I, I think a lot of people around here are very concerned about announcing yourself as the next Tampa because we know Tampa historically will always be frugal no matter what's going on has literally never had a payroll outside the bottom third of baseball. Yeah, I, I think teams get in trouble when they try to be the next Tampa because there's really only one Tampa, um, you know, that, that that is just so willing to try so many different things and be so different because nobody comes to their games. So they really, they, you know, they, they, can, they can afford to kind of, be a, a think tank and, and a lot of times it does work i mean i think we're seeing that in boston now there's the perception that they're really trying to be too much like tampa and they're not using that that payroll that they have i, I do think though there's a danger of jumping out too quickly um uh and, and being a little too uh optimistic maybe like 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 detroit did last year you know they went out and, and they they spent a lot of money on on javi baez and and they uh they traded for austin meadows and 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 some things that you know that that a, a real contender would would do, yeah. and and they were not a contender, and they backslid, and now you know now they might regret some of those moves. Um, you never know, but uh, you know I, I think I think Elias has been very careful and 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 very uh, you know deliberate in this rebuild, and that they've gotten this far, they don't want to you know deviate or accelerate. It's sort of like well, it has it hasn't it's worked just the way they hoped to this point so continue with that process i think that's that's in their mind and, and that's that's maybe not quite as satisfying as, as as the fan would want who wants them to just go out and okay now you had a winning season let's go sign everybody um but you know it's worked so far for that plan and and chances are it'll continue to 
to to work in the long run. Tyler, and I would add in strangely, I don't even know that you know for for the reasonable fan. Of course, there's always you know I'm sure you deal with them every day on your Twitter account, but like. For the reasonable fan, I think there's a feeling of, I don't even necessarily need you to go out and spend wildly in free agency. We know you're not ever going to be the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox or the Padres now. Um, But it would be nice if you would spend money internally, right? Like, it would be a nice feeling to say, hey, we know that we can count on a Rutschman, a Henderson, whoever it is, sticking around a little bit longer that we don't just have to, to think, well, enjoy it, but they're going to be wearing, you know, pinstripes here in, in five years. And and that's, I think, the part that's for, far more fascinating to me. Will we see the Orioles become a team that steps up and spends money internally on their own players to keep them around? Or are they inclined to say, no, we think those guys will be assets in a few years and we'll deal them when we deal them and we try to keep the window open? Yeah, well, that's that, that's what we're seeing around baseball right now. And, 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 you know, we don't know if, if that's going to be um, going to work long term, but I mean, cert- certainly the hot thing is, is is to sign your guys when they're really young right. to a really long term deal. Michael Harris um, with Atlanta and, and and some other guys with the Braves for sure. Um, we just saw Corbin Carroll get a hundred million dollars with 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 uh, Arizona. Right. You know, Seattle last year with 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 Julio Rodriguez. So th- there's lots of examples now of of teams that. Um, yeah, and maybe sometimes they don't worry. Like Fernando Tatis, you know, getting three hundred forty million, you know, and then he his. I mean, he's got a long time left, but certainly last year was a disaster for him. So it doesn't always work um, as you as you plan. But that does seem the way teams seem what teams are doing, and that would seem to be the, the logical next step for the Orioles would be to to give the fan the fans a centerpiece for the long term. You know, a guy you could. You could buy his jersey and know you're you're not going to have to replace it in in uh, you know in, in, within five years. Um, so I, I think that that should be what they're what they're doing next, whether it's with Henderson or Rushman or or whoever. Yeah. I mean, some of these guys like Rushman, for example, I don't I don't know anything about his his motivations, but um, certainly he got a lot of money out of the draft. So you know he he is probably set up for a while. He's he's not you know he's he's not a kid who's just trying to get set up his, his, his fortune. I mean, he's, he's, he's already done okay for himself. So, um, so yeah, but no, that's a great point. They really need to invest in their own guys now before they get too close to free agency and the player just says, Hey, you know what? I'm just going to, yeah, why would I, why I'm would good. I I'm just going to wait a year or two. I, Tyler, your point about yeah. Rutschman, I think is quite relevant in particular because of the position that he plays, right? Where he might be saying to himself, you're going to have to dr- like there is no discount that I'm going to give you to sign now. You would have to drastically overpay me because I might legitimately, between his age and the position, only have one real shot in free agency to do some sort of crazy deal. So it, it, I, I don't even want to say I'm giving him a pass over it because I do think they should be willing to pay that money, but it might have to be an extraordinary price in order to do something like this with Adley Rutschman. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at him, like if he has another, let's say, another great year or two, then then – you know, then you're looking at well, we got to get him. You know, we've we've got to pay him as the highest catcher by a salary for a catcher in baseball. I mean, that would probably be logical um, with you know a real Muto plus that kind of thing. And 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 then you know you'd have to see if the Orioles would would do it. I mean, that's going to be the the next uh, right. yep. step in their evolution is seeing yep. how how committed they really are payroll wise to to doing all this. But remember though that Buster Posey did. Um, did sign before free agency. I think he signed after their second championship um, in 12. So he was well-established and um, he never really got to free agency as far as I can remember. Um, 
you know, Ben Maurer signed. I think Maurer was maybe on the open. Well, no, I, I Maurer signed before the, he signed like in March. Okay. Um, yeah, that so he signed weird. a long-term extension. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tyler, before I let you go, and I really appreciate the time, I, I am admittedly, like, I know the scenes have been cool. I, I am not, in, I am in no way saying the World Baseball Classic shouldn't exist because it's been fun. Clearly the players love it. It's, it's far, it, it certainly breaks up the monotony of spring training. It's, if the options are either hang around Twin Lakes Park or go play in electric atmosphere, I know why the players will always choose the other. I, I just struggle with the trying to convince ourselves that it's something that it isn't. It's a 10-day tournament with single-game eliminations, which is so unbaseball-like, and you're, you can never have the pitchers really pitch. There is no other sport where you could have your best player on the field forced off out of the game by an arbitrary standard, right? Like, we would, you could never do that anywhere else. So I don't know how to talk about it because I, I know it has some value, but I can't try to make it something that it isn't either. Yeah, it's, it's, it's at an imperfect time um, for sure. Um, but I, I think when you, when you actually go to the games, um, you see how it's just so different um, from – the regular season and, and and even the postseason, where the the particular kind of passions of the fans really really electrifies the whole thing, and you know whether that's international or national, I mean, it's sort of like I don't know. I mean, American fans, understandably, and I'm one of them. Um, you know, you you care primarily about your team, right? And that this is really fun, but you know, if you live and die with your team. Um, and and I think in in the other countries there's there's more of a um, you know maybe importance on proving to the world that that you guys are the best or that you are on on the rise or something. Um, but you know within the USA team, I mean these guys are great and they're competitive and they really enjoy each other's company these couple of weeks and they really want to win. So it's 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 fun. I just would say go with it. I mean you think about it like it's better than what we used to have, which essentially was nothing internationally. Um, they had the Olympics, but you know, everybody sort of knew. You know, if, if you're not sending your best players, it's not really a. It's a it's a beer uh, league baseball tournament to some extent. Yeah, right. So like to have really the only international thing we had was 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 the Little League World Series. And so like you know to have this is a whole lot better than what we had before, which was nothing. And I'll take it. It's All great. Right. All right. At Tyler Kepner on Twitter is how you follow him. Of course, New York Times see his stuff and pick up the grandest stage of history of the World Series. Tyler, really appreciate you taking the time for us this morning, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Okay, thanks a lot. Tyler Kepner with us here on GCR. I'm not, I God, I hate being the yuck somebody's yum guy. I hate it. I hate that. And I get it. Like, when everybody was freaking out on Twitter last night, I admittedly, so last night I finally watched uh, The Whale. I, it was one of the list of... Uh, of Academy Award movies that I wanted to watch that I hadn't watched yet. It deserves best makeup, you think? Did they win best makeup? I believe I, so, yeah. I mean, it I'm makes sense. Sure and Brendan Fraser was, was amazing. I mean, he was absolutely outstanding. It is a dark, dark watch, man. And it, the other part about it, I don't think I knew, just because I hadn't done, I think everybody else, everybody that cares about movies would be like, dude, everybody knew that. It's a play. And much like, um, Oh God! What was Chadwick Boseman's final movie? Uh, uh, Ma Rainey, Ma, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix, which was a play. Like they didn't adapt the play to be a movie as much as they just made a movie out of the play. 
this is essentially the same thing. The, I did not realize that. The whale all takes place in, like, two scenes. Like, there's, the, the, it's a play that they just, you know, filmed and made a movie out of, right? Like, and that, that was interesting because there's a certain type of acting that you get in a play that you, you wouldn't always want in the movie. Like, you almost have to overact in certain scenes to dramatically make a point because you can't use scene changes in order to make certain points. I don't know why I'm spending this much time talking about The Whale. I'm so sorry. There's nothing to do with the topic at hand. It's worth watching, but it is not fun to watch. It is an extraordinarily unpleasant film. Like, it is dark. It is difficult. It is awful, man. But... It's a very well-made film. Dar- I mean, Darren Aronofsky is is unbelievable. I mean, it, my God, the guy just makes incredible movies and and gives everybody their second chances as an actor. It's it's unreal what that guy has done in his career. Uh, but I'm watching The Whale last night, and all of a sudden I see everybody tweeting about, you know, it's a one-run game and Shohei Otani's coming up to lead off the ninth inning, and I'm like, all right. You got me, and I flipped over, and I saw all of it unfold, right? Like, Shohei Otani doubles, and there's a walk, and then one pitch later, game over, right? Like, it was, I get it. It was a cool scene, man. But I I still, like, fact still has to be fact. It's like what I said yesterday. I, I, I have no problem with Tyler Kepner saying, like, with the way that he said it. It's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And knowing that your alternative is nothing or, again, spring training baseball, sure, this is definitely more enjoyable than that. As long as we don't actually try to pretend like it's a true competition to determine who the best country is in baseball. It's not that by any stretch of the imagination. It's not close to that. You could argue, like, the World Cup isn't even that. Like, that you should have a season-long competition. But it's far closer than this. It's far more representative of how a sport is competed. This is not that. This is something else. Again, breaks up the monotony of spring. Everyone will have forgotten entirely. By in, if, if the U.S. doesn't win tonight, by May, you will have forgotten who won the World Baseball Classic. If Japan wins tonight... I'm going to come in one day in May and say, hey, Griffin, who won the World Baseball Classic? You're going to put a reminder? Okay. No. Okay. No. (laughs) And you're going to be like, oh. It'd be like me with the Daytona 500 at Trivia a couple weeks ago. (laughs) Like, oh, crap. I still know that. Ricky Stenhouse. Yeah, because you're you're A number one. Uh, (gasps) Prince Charles is our NASCAR guy around here these days, which is a weird bit. But it's Zach. Zach's responsible for that. Um, But that would be me. I will be that guy. If I'm at trivia in in two months and I get that question, who won the World Baseball Class? I'm going to sit there like, oh, dude, you know why we lost trivia last night? Is because I could not remember who beat Kerry Lake in the Arizona governor's race. Like, so why is that falling you? I don't know why. For some reason, (laughs) I'm always the political. It's very weird that that defaults to me. So one of the questions last night was uh because march is uh women's history month so they've been throwing in like women's mm. uh name these f- they, they put the four states up these four states currently have female governors name them and I'm it out. was arkansas who's sarah huckabee sanders the former white house press secretary okay new york who's kathy hockle who took over for cuomo when he resigned um south dakota who's um christy Nome, who everybody thinks is sort of like a perhaps vice presidential candidate um, for the Republicans in the next election. 
and then Arizona was the last one. And I'm like going through, and like I paid a lot of attention to Arizona last year. It was one of the biggest races in the entire midterms. And I'm like going through, naming them. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> who beat Carrie Lake? <laughs> like I remember Carrie Lake because like we all made fun of her, and we all like, p- who won the race? <laughs> And I Eddie never and I never came up with it, and we lost Man. by one point, and that question was each one was worth two points. Oh. So we lost because of that last night. Damn. And the same scenario could end up playing out in two months when somebody asks if Japan wins the night. Somebody says who wins the, who won the World Baseball Classic. Uh, uh, uh. You're gonna know it was U.S. and Japan. Yeah, I'm gonna no no no. I'm not I'm not <laughs> gonna I'm gonna remember that the U.S. played in the final, and I'll be like uh, they. Uh, uh. Who beat the U.S.? Like, I'm going to sit there and panic about it because th- we just don't actually care. We care because yeah. it's going on. And, like, tonight... It's good. I mean, it's Tonight good it'll tonight. be the best thing on TV. Yeah. So. There's no basketball. The women's tournament was on last night. I was interested in that. Louisville pounded Texas, man. Um, you see that spiciness at the end of the game? Yo, Ooh. they were ready to fight at the Ooh. end of that game. Did you see how the Miami-Indiana game ended last night? Mm-mm. Oh, no. damn. Miami went Indiana one on the road in an 8-1 matchup and hit a shot with like three seconds left to win uh, in order to beat them on the road. And then afterwards, I can't remember the girl's name, who hit the shot. She's doing the post-game interview, and she's like, man, coach, he just told me to face up and go effing win the game, but she did not say effing. That's pretty she good. She said something else. Love to see it. Uh, well, I guess we could probably find uh, yeah. it. See if we can find the the interview. And we we are on the internet, so we can do things they can't do on the radio. So we could share it. Just you know, have your kids. Oh my God, it was so good. Like the basketball was really good last night. So that was also part of it. Before I watched the whale, I was watching the basketball. Um, yeah, man. I, I'll I, will I watch tonight. Well, unfortunately, I got a lacrosse game to do tonight, so I'm not. It's not an option for me. Would I have watched tonight? Probably. Can you think of any many other things on on Tuesday? Um, I want to watch Lucky Hank. <laughs> like, I want to watch the new Bob Odenkirk show. It's not on tonight, but it was on Sunday, and I haven't watched it yet. I like that's the problem. Is like I just I, it's still not my thing, mm-hmm. and there's still other things that I would want to watch. I want to watch that documentary about uh, Pornhub that they did on Netflix, on Netflix that yeah. looks really interesting. Eh. Right, the, the trailer. I, I did know. not know all of the stories about like I did not know I like I remember revenge porn being a thing, but I don't remember like all of the issues. So I was like, wow, that is kind of compelling to me. I think I'd take a look at that. Um, I don't know. There's things that I want to look at. So. You keep mentioning the whale, and it makes me think of just two opposite ends of the world. While you were watching the whale last night, I was watching the Riddick trilogy. Okay. Yeah, just like the that choices, was on Netflix, and I was choices like, "Choices were made." I need background noise. Why not? And oh, it's you like know what? I, we two also, different spectrums of just absolute dark movies. Yeah. Like. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I have to. We, we didn't get to talk about Lance Reddick because oh, yeah. he died on Friday. And oh yeah. Man. God damn, man. I saw a thread of like his like greatest scenes from the wild. I had Just never I didn't know he was on the Eric Andre gold. show one time. No. Oh, I didn't know that either. I've seen that video, yeah. yeah. I did not know how much Of course everybody knows Lance Reddick was also in John the John Wick series. Mm-hmm. I did not know how deeply Keanu Reeves loved. Did you re- there was a story that I came out that. that like for his birthday Keanu Reeves' wife like asked what he wanted to do and he just wanted to hang out with Lance Reddick. Like that's how much he loved the guy. Like I just want to go hang out with him. 
And like Lance Reddick was working and he went back to set just to see him and try to figure out if they could hang out. I like, can see it. Those, that's I, just two stone cold dudes on level zero. No question. Like, like both always of them, on level zero, just even keel. No doubt about it, man. My God, Lance Reddick was a genius. Oh, and, and Daniels, it's so funny because I don't think Dan, Daniels doesn't stand out amongst characters on The Wire because he's not eccentric the same way. Like you love Bubs, you love you know Stringer, you mm. love other guys, McNu- McNutty, McNutty. Um, like, but I always like associated McNutty with Lieutenant Daniels. Like, what I would say is like the last time I went back and rewatched, which was during the pandemic, it really struck me harder how critical he was, how the balance he provided to the more eccentric characters. You could say bunk to some extent, like, but like Daniels was necessary in order to make it work with so many other characters. There had to be a balance that existed, and Daniel sort of provided that, and Lance Reddick's genius provided it. God damn, that sucked, man. Like, I, I, dude, I would legitimately, this is not, I'll admit this, when Michael K died, I cried. And part of that was I had gotten to know him a little bit. Like, it was really a big deal to me that I had developed, like, we could text each other. And we've had an unbelievable relationship with uh, Isaiah Whitlock over the years. Damn it, I really should have invited him on to talk about Cocaine Bear. Oh, I should really invite him on to talk about it. I did not realize he nearly he nearly did the, like, they definitely did it tongue-in-cheek. And they did it once in Cedar Rapids, too, but they tried, they had him say shit in, in Cocaine Bear. I don't know if you remember it. Like, they wanted it to, to sort of make you think about Senator Clay Davis. They wanted you to think about, she, you know, like, they wanted that. They just couldn't, she. they couldn't do it because it would be, you know, copyright infringement, essentially. But they definitely had him specifically just say, shit, at one point during the movie. And you were like, ah, I got it. So if I've been fortunate to have some of these relationships with folks that I care. I never had that with Lance Reddick. And, and, you know, that's a bummer for me. Like, I never, I don't, I think I might have had w- one conversation ever with Lance Reddick, maybe. And I don't, I don't even know that with certainty that I even had a conversation. Whereas Michael K., I had a lot of conversations with Andre Royo. I've had a few conversations with. The only time I ever actually had a conversation with Idris, I happened to be in Paris. It was random as wow. hell. Like, I just saw him on the street in Paris. So random. Um, I cried about Michael K. And I, I didn't cry, but I, it, Hit me hard, dude. Yeah. Like it's freaking Lance my, my we're talking about. PFF Sean, he went to Rochester. Uh, yeah. He did the he did the graduation speech last May. Lance Reddick. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so jealous, man. Yeah, the University of Rochester. Yes. Yeah, the University wow. of Rochester. Wow, man. Oh, I'm so jealous. Mm-hmm. Oh, god damn, that guy was just, yeah. just what a genius, man. Yeah. What everyone's talking about like how like he was so powerful. Without even like saying words, that's that like that was what made and him so brilliant. You, yeah, like you look back on so many moments in the wire where like, like you said, like the characters were just like up to shenanigans, not doing their job, and he's just looking at them. Like, and 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 the point is, he didn't have to force it. Like, the, and this is part of David Simon's genius. He didn't have to force that Daniels was the balance. He could just be the balance. Oh, God, man, that sucks so much. Yeah. Did you find it? Yeah, it's off transition, but uh, I do it. It's Destiny uh, Harden. What's her name? All right, and she was doing a post-game interview on ESPN after Miami shocks Indiana on the road. Of course, you remember, won the Big Ten regular season title over both Maryland and Iowa, and yet was knocked out in the uh, second round of the NCAA tournament. So Miami just owns Indiana because the men... Yeah, that's right. Back-to-back nights, Miami eliminated Indiana, which is wild, right? Like I don't know if you can maybe for tidbit figure out if that's happened before. 
Um, but this is her post-game interview. And again, if you've got a kid around, there is an F word in this. So rejoin us in like 90 seconds. To the whole game in just a moment. But take us through that game-winning shot. I mean, you know, um, oh, man, I can't. <laughs> man, I'm sorry. But um, coming into the huddle and timeout, uh, Fitzroy, man, he did it again. He uh, he told me face up and win the fucking game. Excuse my language, but, man. <laughs> I do like that she committed to it beforehand. Yeah. Like, that wasn't a she realized what she said, and then later, like, because you've seen that a lot. Somebody dropped uh, in a yeah, – uh, Yeah, one of the basketball players. Yeah, the Jamie, it was just Jamie Erdahl. Mm-hmm. And said, said it, and like it. you could see, like he didn't, in, like yeah, he she, went, she very yeah. clearly decided ahead of time she was just gonna say it because she very quickly was like, you know, win the Evan game, I excuse my language. <laughs> like she had dis- predetermined that was what he said. I'm gonna tell you what he said. Sometimes you can't convey what a coach tells you without just straight I, up saying. I'm it. with it. I'm <laughs> with it, man. I ain't mad. Yeah. I am mad at all. Because it sounds oh. cliche if she's like, oh, like. He told me to just go win the game. Right. No, like that's like, not what no, he said. No, you need to know. He got my face. It was like, go F and win the game. Like, I dig it. I dig it, man. It was great. Uh, by the way, John uh, from Little Rock, they should extend the All-Star Week into three weeks and play the WBC then. It would make way, way more sense, and it would be taken seriously by the USA. It would be interesting. I, I just don't think it's that— still the pitcher's arm thing. Like, th- that's yeah. always going to be—like, that will forever be— Unless, what if they shorten—nah, that, I mean, that would make sense. They, like, they, short, they make this part of the MLB season. They do, like, you know, 140 games or something— Every what is it three six years that the World Baseball Classic is, you know, and, um, and then so that way you're so kind of saving the yeah, arms. They, they anyway. won't do it. They yeah. won't do it. They'll never do it. Yeah. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. Um, also, apparently, Mike Florio is reporting that someone is rep is someone not certified by the NFLPA has Saint Omni. I think I don't know if he's certified or not. He's not an I, agent, but yeah. I don't I don't know what the rule is for that. Is reaching out to teams on behalf of. Uh, not negotiate. Yeah, I don't think Saint Omni. I don't think Saint Omni is is recognized by the NFLPA either. Right. So it could and he be references him, right? in that story. I, I don't have no reason to think okay. that it's him. Right. It could right. be somebody in Lamar Jackson's family. Saint Omni real? Uh, yes, I do know he's real. I know okay. that is a fact that he's real. Um, it could just be somebody in Lamar Jackson's family that's reaching out. Whatever it is, I don't. I don't know why it's a story. With all due respect to Mike Florio, like. Because it's Lamar Jackson, everything. I, yeah, that's all I could say. There is one other thing in here that um, Mike Florio says. As one source explained it, the person has said that Jackson does not want a fully guaranteed contract. Now, that is newsworthy. Some regard this as a possible exercise in semantics, with Jackson still wanting a very significant amount fully guaranteed, up to $200 million or more, with one more non-guaranteed, one or more non he write that poorly, one or more non-guaranteed years on the back end. Well, I've kind of told you that for some time. Like what I was told by my source last summer was it doesn't have to be full and guaranteed. It has to be more than this. If Mike Florio is saying that his reporting is that number has to be $200 million, then fine. I That sounds about like what I thought it was from the conversation that I had, but I couldn't have gar- I couldn't have comfortably reported that the number was definitely two hundred million. All I could tell you at the time was what I was told is it's not make or break. And given what Stephen A. Smith said, and given what Mike Floro, there's more of that that's out there. That's that's the reporting is it does not have to make or break be fully guaranteed, but it's got to be more than one hundred and thirty-three. Mike Florio is saying more like two hundred, which again is 
pretty close at that point to 230. Basically. It's very difficult to do a fully guaranteed deal. It, it, it you know do a deal that's not fully guaranteed but is more than 200 million dollars or at least 200 million dollars of guaranteed money. Uh, the one other sports question last night. Actually, there were a few, but some of them were super. I mean, my God, they were insane, embarrassing. How easy a few of them were. One was which team traded for the number one pick in the draft this year, and and what player did they give up? Like, I get it. If you just have nobody on your team that thinks about sports, then you're not going to know yeah. that. But if you have even a – my God. <laughs> Seems a little like, too recent for trivia. What, I, I was embarrassed Yeah, it should have been like in 2001. Speaking you know. of embarrassingly easy, Fairleigh Dickinson – by the way, their coach is leaving for I don't know, yes, yeah. Fairleigh Dickinson became the second number 16 seed. To, who was the first? <laughs> Harvard. In <laughs> but Thank you. In Baltimore, they asked that question. I was going to say UVA, but – in Baltimore, that was a trivia question. Like, maybe in Maine, people might have forgot. Yeah. I still think everybody remembers, but maybe there's a chance in Baltimore they asked that question. And then the third one, the only one that was even remotely. Like, I'm like, why do you even have a sports guy on your team if these are the questions? Um, well, the, so you can answer the Arizona government The third question. one, I, yeah, right? I wasn't even sure that I got it right, but it was, I feel like we've done before, uh, what are the two players in NBA history that have averaged a triple-double for a single season? Mm. Well, it was uh, Russ. Oscar yes. and Russ. Yes, correct. Yeah, Those are the answers. But I didn't know that as much as I was just like, I think that's right. But I, do I it know that? Yeah, like yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's right. And so that's what we went with. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour. Stan and Ross last night. We're talking baseball with you, talking Orioles spring training. And if you missed it, you can go to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. They caught up with Eric Garfield from Utah Street Report, who, of course, covers Orioles prospects and the spring training. When we come back in 20 years ago today, the greatest shot in Maryland basketball history, Drew Nicholas, buzzer beater. Drew joins us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. What, what, what happened there? Diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit and stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC has great news for you. We have funding available for short-term career programs like project management starting this March. Gain valuable skills to advance your career and get back on track. With CCBC's project management program, you'll learn how to effectively plan, organize, and execute projects. This is your chance to make a positive change in life. Contact us at 443-840-2222 or online ccbcn md.edu for more information. CCBC Project Management. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know what's on Grinder or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, a couple of people are t- suggesting that I'm being too dismissive of one sentence in Mike Florio's report, so let me read it for you. Um, as one source explained it, the person who said that Jackson does not want a fully guaranteed contract, some regard this as a possible exercise in semantics, with Jackson still wanting a very significant amount fully guaranteed, up to $200 million or more, with one or more non-guaranteed years on the back end. Another source said that the representative is telling other teams that Lamar is ready to move on from the Ravens. Now, yes, when you read that, it sounds... You can read that in a few different ways. One way you can read it is... He badly wants out, that he's done. You can read it that way. It doesn't say that, but you can read it that way. Another way you can read it is, well, if they're not willing to give me that money, then, yeah, I'm ready to move on. Like, if somebody else is willing to give me that type of money, I'm ready to take it from somebody else. It's, there's not enough there for me to as dramatically react to it as some of you are choosing to do. If somebody wants to offer Lamar Jackson the contract that he's looking for, damn right, he's going to be ready to move on from the Ravens. There is a big difference between saying that and someone saying he wants out, he'll never play for the Ravens again, which would be clearly a far different conversation at this point. 20 years ago today in Nashville, uh, we thought, sadly, that the defending national champs are going to be knocked out of the NCAA tournament in the first round. But someone else had a better idea. 
His idea was to weave his way up court and to take a running three that I believe he once told me he thought out of his hand was an air ball and go ahead and win the game and deliver the greatest shot in Maryland basketball history. Joining us now, one of my all-time favorite Terps, he is the great Drew Nicholas, and he's back with us here on GCR. Drew, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up. Happy anniversary, my friends. <laughs> Glenn, how you doing, my man? It's always great catching up. Um, most of the time that we talk is always a time in which, you know, a lot of times we get a chance to talk about the shot. So yeah, always great to be on. Man, uh, do you think about that? Does that number strike you at all, like 20 years? Do you have any difficulty with handling that number? To be completely honest, I hadn't thought about it until you guys reached out and told me that it was the 20-year anniversary. And now, I mean, geez, 20 years seems like two lifetimes ago. Um, you know, uh, I, I played professionally for 10, and it was 10 years before that. So, um, but man, it's it's definitely still a memory that um, is going to stay near and do, near and true to me. Uh, till the end of time. Uh, Drew, am I correct that I remember you once telling me that legitimately when you released the shot, you thought it was an air ball? You got a great memory, my man. Um, I remember I was going so fast trying to get up the court because I only had like five seconds to go the full length of the court, and I ended up kind of like weaving towards our bench, and I knew I had to get a shot off, you know, I jumped off of one leg, and considering when you're jumping off of one leg and you're running so fast, like, mm -hmm. you know that the ball is going to take, is going to move on you a little bit as you release it. So I, re I remember I shot it a little bit to the left, and thank God enough, man, it, it ended up being bottoms. Um, and, of course, famously, you keep running, and it's just one of the great scenes we've ever seen in Maryland basketball history. I, Drew, how, I, I know when we talk about it, like, in the first decade – you know, you, you became, and by the way, I've talked a lot more about thinking that your career deserved a lot more credit than you got beyond the shot, but you became an iconic figure, and I have no doubt that everywhere you went, people wanted to talk to you about it. 20 years later, and everything you've yep. done, you talk about your pro career. I know for a little while you worked in media. Now you've worked in the NBA for a few years. Does it still resonate? Like when you introduce someone, do you still get a lot of weight? That Drew Nicholas, do you still have that pop up? the way that I'm sure that it did in the first decade following the shots. Yeah, not quite as much. Obviously, as time goes on, I think a little bit of it, a little bit tends to fade, but there's more than enough times when I'm introduced to somebody or I meet somebody for the first time and I give them my name and they, you know, all of a sudden start to give me like that strange look like... <laughs> and... And then it all of a sudden pops into their mind, like, wait, you're that, you're that guy that hit the shot in the NCAA tournament? So, yeah, it still comes up, and um, it's still surreal, man, like, just to, just to think of, you know, for me to be connected with such an, you know, iconic shot, I guess you would say, in Maryland history. Um, you know, I'm just so, so fortunate about it. He is Drew Nicholas. He is with us 20 years ago tonight in Nashville uh, he hits the buzzer beater to beat UNC Wilmington. He is with us here on GCR. Drew, did you ever, like, have a conversation with anyone else who's had a moment like this? Did you ever bump into a, you know, a James Forrest, somebody like that? Like, I, I don't know if there's any, like, club for, 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 for heroes. Like, did you ever have a moment where, like, oh, man, we've got something in common 
over the course of the last two decades. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, man. So when I was playing overseas at the time, I was in Italy, and I played against Tyus Edney. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Tyus, obviously Tyus has as good, probably better than mine, and probably deserves to be higher up on the list, considering he went all the way the length of the floor and made a layup. That's yeah. how quick he was. And then they went on to win the national championship from it. Um you know, we had a couple of moments, you know, just kind of talking about being able to have a piece of March Madness history like that. So, yes, um, me and Tyus kind of shared that a little bit. And that to me is the, the cool thing. They, they, they do this thing every year, unless, of course, there's a pandemic, right? And every year, like, somebody is sharing it out on YouTube. Somebody is remembering it. Like, I... I feel like there are guys that have hit, you know, big shots in the NBA. I feel like there are guys, I mean, hell, it wasn't the only buzzer beater you ever hit at the University of Maryland, of course. But, like, there's just something unique about the NCAA tournament. It almost feels like it's, it's joining the Heisman Trophy Club or something like that. Like, you, it, there is something so unique and special about doing it in an event that in this country we elevate such, to such a level that it truly becomes eternal, iconic, it, like, it just puts you in a place that, that's a little bit different than just being a very good basketball player. Nah, no doubt, man. Just because, like, I sit here, and I'm not sure if I told you this before. I don't think so. But, like, you know, March Madness for me, I remember the first time that I cried over basketball, period, was the night that Leitner hit the shot to be. To wow. Be I didn't and know I was that. probably, like, yeah, probably, like, I don't know, seven, eight years old. And, I, you know, I didn't even necessarily know, and I don't know why, but that was the beginning of my Duke dislike or hatred, if you want to call it. Um, but I, for whatever reason, I really wanted to see Kentucky win that game, and Leitner hits the shot, and that was the first night that I cried over my basketball. Oh, God. You know, there was more nights after that, obviously. But I specifically remember that being the first one. Oh. Um, so, again, just to kind of tie it all back into March Madness, it's, it's special. I'm trying to think of, like, you would have been, like, 10 years old around then, something like that, maybe 11, 12, something like that. I was born, yeah, I was born in, I was born in 81. What year was the so shot? So that would have been 90, 91 or 92, 92, right? I think was the, the Leitner yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, something was so 10, 11 years old, I kind of, you know, thought I was a little bit younger, but yeah. Did, 10, 11. did you have any idea then that, like, I, I know you probably were already playing basketball, like, what? Had you been dreaming, like, moments like that in your mind? Like, had that been something that before the shot, you had literally imagined a scenario like that and, and practiced it in your backyard or hanging out with the guys or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think every kid that grows up loving the game and envisioning themselves to be a basketball player in the same sense in which, like, I thought of it, you know, there's there's always, like, those, you know, commercials or – in movies, you see the kid that are that's dribbling around and counting down in his head five, four, three, two, one, and making a shot. But never in my wildest dreams did I think of doing it in the NCAA tournament. Right. It was only just to like win a game, you know. <laughs> right. um, so right. for it to be like March Madness with you know the world watching, like. It just takes it to a whole nother level. I mean, be- beating Virginia ain't bad either. Like, that's not a bad one to count. No, you know, no, that one no. also counts. Drew Nicholas here with us on GCR. 
Um, Drew, watching from afar, um, what Kevin Willard was able to do this season coming in in his first year, not a lot of depth, not a lot of shooting, and yet leading this team to the second round of the NCAA tournament despite all of that, how much excitement do you feel? How much hope do you have for what could be in the next few years if this is the floor when he didn't really even have his own guys out on the court to work with? Uh, I mean, number one, I, I think it was a remarkable season considering, you know, you know how hard it is to, to be able to come in and kind of inherit a group that's not necessarily yours. It's your first year. There's a lot of things in which, you know, he's trying to fight and overcome in his first year, and for him to do the job that he's done in his first year, I think it's it's pretty remarkable in a sense, and it only gives everybody, I, I would hope that it gives everybody around the state of Maryland and Maryland basketball fans a sense of optimism yeah. of what's potentially here to come in the future, just because, you know, I, I know he's got a great recruiting class coming in, and um, if anything about this season, the way that they played, and he continues to bring in, guys that embody the things that he wants um you know hopefully we're we're in for a special ride of of the Willard era that dude that's like I obviously you're disappointed because they lost the game but it's honestly I didn't even I wasn't even all that worked up about Saturday night man like all I could think about was yeah they got beat by a better team I'm not all that surprised by it and this was cake at this point like I I so assumed that they weren't going to be able to do it, that it didn't even hurt me all that much. I'm just very much excited about the direction of this program. And, you know, he's already landed a top 15 recruiting class for next year. He's pro- Jameer Young is, is proof that he can handle the transfer portal pretty well. Like, there's just so much to like about what they're doing at this moment. I don't know how you couldn't possibly be on board. No, I agree 100%. Um you know, I mean, obviously the landscape is different now yep, yep. in regards to, you know, before it was more so about bringing in recruiting classes and having those guys develop for two, three, four years, whatever the case may be. And now, like you said, with Jameer Young, a lot of it plays into how well Coach Willard can go out and navigate the landscape of the transfer portal. Just because, you know, for college coaches now, and this is just kind of like also an indication of what society is. It's like, what can you do for me today and today only? As opposed to, I think when, you know, Gary, as well as a little bit with Mark, with Coach Turgeon, like you had the ability to kind of screw for two or three years and get guys that you wanted to develop and kind of nurture in a sense. But, you know, now everybody just is kind of thinking of a more year-to-year basis, but um, gotta be so excited about what Coach Wood has brought to the program. Can I, I? And I don't know what the rules are because of what you're doing. Can I ask you? Like, there's a unique situation that's playing out. I brought up Jameer Young. Um, you yep. obviously had an incredible career in Europe, right? Like, you were a superstar in yep. Europe. And I have said for some yep. time, dude, if you got the opportunity to go make money playing basketball, go leave, go do it, right? He's in a really unique spot yeah. because it would probably be Europe would be his path. It's not likely that it would be, you know, the NBA, maybe the G League, but even that, you know, with his size, I don't know. Um, but he could take a fifth year. And with NIL, so much is different. I wonder, like, if you had been in that situation and you had the ability, I mean, particularly coming off that shot, you could have made a lot of NIL money. Um but I wonder how that would impact, like, if, if you were measuring Europe versus a chance to play another year, do something special in college, 
and still make some money while you did that, how would you measure those things in making a decision about what you did? Oh, man, that's the, you know what, I, I got to be honest. That, that's a great question. That's something that I never even really thought about. I mean, I think for me personally, um, just thinking back upon when I was a player, you know, I was always a little bit undersized physically mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, strength and weight room, just given my frame. No, and I think that no, you, nobody ever noticed that. No one ever pointed out that you were a little bit skinnier, <laughs> Drew. That never came up. <laughs> so I potentially probably might have tested the waters, but had decided to come back to college for another year because it would have given me another year for my body to continue to fill out, even yeah. though it hasn't really filled out over the last <laughs> 20 years, but that's a completely different story. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, it's a great argument. It's a great case because, you know, for a guy like Jameer, like if he can go ahead and he can go ahead and decide to, you know, potentially take another year in college and then kind of see what, what goes on from there, I think, I think it would potentially be really smart for him. Yeah, it's interesting, right? And I, I look, I, I want to make it very clear. I wouldn't judge any decision that you got to do whatever is best for you. But I just do think that NIL changes a lot of things. The idea that you could make money and further cement your legacy, like maybe get your jersey in the rafters, something like that. Like those are those are big deals. Those are things that matter ultimately down the road. And so I think it's interesting. Uh, Drew, what's going on with you, man? I heard you're over. You're in Europe that you chimed in, which is unbelievable that you would do that for us. But what's what's going on in your life these days? <laughs> yeah, man. So I'm, you know, I'm the director of scouting for the Denver Nuggets. Yep. Um, I'm over here, you know, scouting some international players this week. Um, so you know, just having a chance to be back in Europe and kind of reconnect with some old teammates and kind of see some former guys as well as do my job it's always special and you know just having a great time it's awesome man uh drew you know every time we can do this and i and i apologize i never know what the rules are with what you're allowed to talk about not in your role because you know we would call you more frequently because you know that we have called you more frequently over the years um (laughs) but, but i love every time i get to catch up truly one of my favorite basketball players that i ever got to watch play man and i uh, i appreciate the fact that we've been able to have uh, a connection uh, over the years congratulations on the 20th anniversary man thank you for hopping on and doing this with us thank you so much man i really appreciate the time and i share the same sentiment thanks brother drew nicholas with us here on gcr dude it's like we we associate drew nicholas with one shot which is unfair because drew nicholas was like a critical part of a national championship team he was the top reserve for a team that won the national championship. And so I kind of hate the fact, like, it's, it's a weird feeling whenever you bring up Drew Nicholas's name. Somebody's like, oh, yeah, he hit the shot. And you're like, yeah, he did a little bit more than that. And if he hadn't been behind Juan Dixon for three years, his numbers suggest, like, what he did his senior season suggests that he might have been truly, you know, one of the greatest players in basketball, in Maryland basketball history as well. So I like I, I almost hate the fact that when we bring up Drew Nicholas, it's, it's just only, it's, it's only just this. the shot, yeah. right? Like it's all we talk about. Kind of look at because obviously I'm a lot younger. Uh, the dude for Villanova, Chris Jenkins, very similarly, he was vital for that. He was, a, you know, team. it's a great point. And now it's and he's a kind of shadowed by Brunson. It, it's a little bit different because he hit the shot in national championship yeah. games. So like he is associated. Maybe he, I would actually argue that maybe he gets more association mm-hmm. with greatness because he hit the. Uh, some would say it's the defining 
buzzer beater in NCAA tournament history. Like it's a weird way of looking like at they it. They blast the it, confetti right out. It's it's funny because I think yeah. we might do something like this on TikTok this week. But like to me, upsets are the NCAA tournament. So like I associate Bryce Drew with the greatest buzzer beater in NCAA tournament history because he was playing for Valparaiso, yeah. which at the time no th- this is not like now when the college basketball every game is on TV. Nobody knew what Valparaiso was. Except for Towson games. Yes, that's a great point. Unfortunately, Towson games. Well, even some of those get on CBS Sports Network, despite a terrible get a, get TV, a little lucky. TV package with the league. Um, but but you know, but nobody had ever heard of Valparaiso, and you know, it was a length of the court. I mean, it was everything about it. I associate Bryce Drew, but you could argue that there is no greater buzzer beater in the history of basketball than Chris Jenkins. Because it's the only one that was ever released that, like, determined the championship, that shot. Now, somebody would say, well, hey, they weren't trailing. They would have right. gone to overtime. So it's not, like, the ultimate, you know, way that a d- buzzer beater could go. Shut the F up. <laughs> like, yeah, when, when he released the shot, they had not won the championship. When the shot went in, went in they had won the championship. There, there is no I – don't, I don't know that there can be a comparison. You can com- – that's not true because there was the NC State thing with Derek Wittenberg and um, Lorenzo Charles that was, was at that buzzer the, as well. The dunk I don't, thing. I don't know yeah. if the I don't know if technically the clock hit zero until like after the play. I would have to really so think they might about have had to that. Go back and well, they didn't they didn't well, do they that did at the time, yeah, right? Sure. At the time, they didn't review those things. Like they just if the clock the time ran off the clock, but I think it might have ran off the clock after the, the ball, ball went through. through. Did the time expire for Mario Chalmers? Uh, the time there was still time on the clock. Okay. Yeah, there was definitely still time on the clock. I mean, it was a massive, massive shot. There's no debating that. But the or did he hit the shot that forced overtime? That was what it was. He hit the shot that it forced overtime. It was in regulation. Yeah, it was in regulation. It did not yeah. win the championship. He but yeah, he so saved. It's, it's he r- saved the season. Memphis would have won had he not hit the shot. But he, like he definitely saved the season. But it's not the same as Chris Jenkins. You think it's like like how magical it is, but it's still rare. Like how. All, like often a game winning like to the wire there was there wasn't implications. there was not a true buzzer beater in the yeah. first two rounds of this NCAA tournament the virginia Furman thing was Close the, the moment yeah. of the first two rounds of the tournament but it was not a true buzzer beater there was still 2 seconds left on the clock after uh, i can't remember his name now hit the, that's that's how you know the difference if somebody hits a true buzzer beater you remember their name mm-hmm. always yeah. you always remember at least for you know, a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Correct through, through the end of the tournament. Correct. You right? remember, like again, Furman it, guy. Two two months from now, we go to do the play trivia. Yeah. we might have forgotten about it, but for the rest of the tournament, you definitely remember the guy's name because it's all anybody talks about. We remember Clark, I think, more than we remember anything about the Furman Virginia sequence. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a real shame about that too. In the Final Four, the year that Virginia won the the title, he had like the he made the, the saving play, right? Yeah. Like, and he it has might. The- is the greatest and the worst pass. You know, the <laughs> a, the agony of defeat, right? The the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. It's all there. Um, God, I love drinking. Watching that, that was like, because I played AE basketball as a kid, that was like textbook what not to do in it's that moment. It's insane. You get trapped in the diamond press in the corner of the basketball yes. court. With a timeout. Just, With a timeout. You, yeah, you just do not. Think Whatever you do, Holmes and throw it down. And the were there court. less than ten seconds left at that point? Like yes. if he had just held on to the ball, there wouldn't have been a ten second violation. Uh, yeah, that well, they might have inbounded with like ten they, or they, 12, twelve or eleven or something. Okay, all right. Yeah, so yeah. like in that moment, I know all my six. AU coaches just threw what, their remote at the what TV. What in the world? By, by the way, if you watch the Brian Rupel thing from over the weekend with Maryland, that's kind of what Brett Makar did. 
like Brett Makar, who's one of the best players in the country, was in trouble and just sort of launched the ball. Now, I get lacrosse a little bit different because you have to clear within 20 seconds, but it wasn't threatening 20 seconds. He was just in trouble. And he just kind of launched the ball, gave it right back to Virginia, and then Rupal had to make two more saves. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how we got here from talking about Drew Nicholas. I, I am, you guys are, are I'm telling you, you're overreacting to this line in the story. Like, Are it, we? You are. You are. I'm <sighs> telling you, you are. It, you're, you're reacting to what you think it might say versus what it actually says. And I, I, I say this saying I understand. I do. I understand we're fragile, we're, you know, like, we, we're vulnerable, we're all of those things. But we don't, we absolutely do not know that what is being said is he wants to move on from the Ravens. It might be. But to say I'm ready to move on from the Ravens, well, you have to say that. If you're calling other teams and you're not saying that, then their answer is going to be, why would we make an offer if you're just going to take it back to the Ravens to play there? He has to say, well, he's ready to move on from the Ravens in order to get that offer or else it's not going to come. Now, again, there can be clarification. If in the next 24 hours we see, no, what he's really saying is he wants to move on from the Ravens, then it's a different conversation. Then we get into the, this comes down to, to, to oh, here. Ooh, the like, they would still control, you know, they would still have the hand to play, but it's very difficult to come back from that. In fairness, there have been players that have said they've wanted to move on from certain teams, and, you know, have it. Aaron Rodgers was done with the Packers a few times in this process. It's not until ne- He still hasn't left the Packers to this day. So, like, even that wouldn't make it zero, but it would definitely dramatically change where the Lamar meter would run. But this alone, thank you, this alone it will certainly impact what tomorrow's reading will be. There's no doubt about that. But you guys, read it in a different tone. You're reading it as, Lamar Jackson is ready to move on from the Ravens. When you could read it as, Lamar Jackson's ready to move on from the Ravens. But he's also, you know, like he's, yeah, he's not, he, he's, he doesn't want to leave the Ravens. We don't, he might. Right. We don't know that from this. That's not what this is telling us. He knows his work. He's ready for everything. He wants his work right. matched. He's, he's ready to make this amount of money. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to offer that to him to play football, then it means he's, he's ready definitely to ready Ravens. to play for you. Yeah. Or it could be that, they're, that he really does feel that way. He really is feeling, I don't want to play for the Ravens anymore, but he doesn't want to say that because he doesn't want to come off as mercurial. He doesn't want, you know, t- we're just, we're reacting to the way that we're reading it and not what was actually said. So it's important that we reflect upon that. I, I have to deal in reality on this show. I can't just make things up. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular. And Brent Urban's going to join us. It's been a crazy day here on GCR. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC is here to help. With funding available for short-term career programs, you can get back on your feet in no time. Starting this March, become a certified apartment maintenance technician to secure your future. CCBC's program offers hands-on training and prepares you for a rewarding career in the growing field of property management. Don't wait any longer. Call 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcmd.edu for more details. CCBC, apartment maintenance technician. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222. 2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season, discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn... Um, what's wrong with you? All right, yeah. I, like, I tried to explain it in a tweet. We were all overreacting to this line in the story, which, again, might end up being as dramatic as you're making it out to be, but it's not yet. It's just not. Not to this point. In order to field an offer from another team, you'd have to at least be ready to move on. It could be Lamar's way of saying, I'm done here. And that's something that I've talked about a lot with the Lamar meter. I've said, I'm leaving room in there for there to be a point at which he says, don't match. Don't match. I'm not playing for you guys anymore. I'm done. I've moved on. There is room for that to end up being the case. But the Ravens don't have a plan B right now. Like, they don't have a plan B. (laughs) There's no... If it's not a top... If it's not the Colts, 
then it, it's Caleb Williams, I guess. It has to be. But only one team can get Caleb Williams. So. Like, the, there is no plan B here. Lamar can be ready to – even let's just say Lamar would prefer – let's just even move it. Let's mo- move it to what it's not said, just for the fun of it. If L- Lamar's feeling is, I would prefer to not be with the Ravens. What are the Ravens supposed to do? Okay, Chief? We'll help you out in that process and just not have a quarterback next year? Like, come on, man. Now, again, if it's poisonous, if it's I will ruin you, I will not play for you, Go get whatever. That's a different conversation. like that, And that could still happen. And the Ravens took that chance when they did what they did in this process. So, you know, it's reality. But I just can't. We, we, we're overreacting to something that wasn't said because of what we think it could be. It's not what it did say. That's all I'm pointing out. All right. Uh, Bet Fred is Maryland's newest sports book. And I hope that you're having some success betting March Madness. Uh, it's up and running. Bet $50, get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for Bet Fred specials and other great sign-up deals. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the print issue of PressBox, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and at the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox and read it all. PressBoxOnline.com. There's Gunnar Henderson. He's on the cover. All right, so uh, obviously Japan walked off uh, all over uh, Mexico, Mexico, last night in the World Baseball Classic. That is their first walk-off in uh, World Baseball Classic for Japan, Japan's first walk-off in their uh, history in the WBC. <laughs> storied history. It is also the second uh, walk-off in the World Baseball Classic semifinals ever. Cool. First, first time was the uh, last time uh, the WBC happened, 2017, Puerto Rico over the Netherlands. Ah, that's who the, the U.S. beat in the last World Baseball Classic, and yeah. I just learned that right now because there is no world in which I could have told you that it was Puerto Rico. Uh, Japan is o- the only unbeaten team left in the WBC this season and the only other team to ever go unbeaten in the World Baseball Classic. But it totally makes sense. We're just going to do a one-game championship. That's how we're going to determine the world champion. They went 8-0 in 2013, the Dominican Republic. Ah. Okay, yes. if you say so. Uh, this is the fourth uh, finals meeting between the U.S. and Japan. U.S. leads. How series. many of these things have there been? <laughs> I don't know. I guess when did they start doing this? If they played the Dominican, like how could it possibly be that there have been four with Japan? I don't feel like there have been four finals matchups. It just doesn't. Feel how, like when there. did the World Baseball Classic like start? Like the mid two thousands. Really, I thought it was before that. No, this is what? not. That's why I, I I joke about the storied history. It was founded in two thousand six. Was the first World Baseball Classic. I'm oh, sorry, been for, for fourth time that they've ever played each Thank other. You. US well, I'm like, there's Japan. just sorry. no way. I did misread it. Anyway, U.S. leads the series it's two the to one. It's the first time the U.S. has played Japan in the final, actually. But other than that. Um, and then uh, also this is the second season since the Field of 64 that the Sweet 16 will not see uh, Kentucky, Duke, or North Carolina. Second time ever since 1985. I think I saw that, yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, if you add in Kansas, I want to say it's like the first. You only had the three in there. Yeah. I think if you add in Kansas, it's like the first time. Ever, I guess. I mean, I, I, it was something insane. It was like a year in the 90s and then 2021. Yeah, 2021 yeah. was the last time well, these three. Mean, or the first time, I guess, these right. three teams Kansas, since 85. Duke, Carolina, Kentucky. Let me see if I can come up with it. And our friends from ESPN Stats and Info do have uh, the, it, it is this is the tenth time that the same school has eliminated the same school in the men's and women's tournament. I guess twenty twenty one didn't have Kansas either. Really? Oh, yeah. What a wow. weird year twenty twenty one was. Maybe Kansas wasn't the original thing. I just left it off. But yeah, twenty yeah. 
Um, but yeah, before that, it hadn't happened before since 1980. Um, so yes, tenth time that so Miami just took down Indiana. They were the tenth team, tenth school. Ten times. I know. Also, I was I was shocked by this. So same year, same school, beating both the men and women's team. I feel like one year it was the championship game. I want to say that UConn beat Duke in both the men's and women's championships one year. Uh, UConn in 2014 is on the list. But and that wouldn't have been UConn-Duke. Yeah, yeah, I don't wasn't, know what it was. I don't know what they it beat, was. Uh, do you, does that count, I guess? I don't know if I... I don't, well, yeah, there's I mean, ten it of counts. These. I got UConn. UConn beat... Uh, they eliminated St. Joe's, both the men and women's team, in 2014. The probably is because it happened anywhere in the tournament. It could really kind of be anyone. Like, mm-hmm. I want to... This, they're the fourth... Sorry, the third team to do it in the same exact round. The uh, third team to do it in the same yeah. round. But, so like, what I'm saying is it could be the... overall, third... Like, you could have been the last team in the tournament. You still could have accomplished this. So it like mm. doesn't even have to be. I want to go with like strong. Yeah. I'm trying to come up with like programs that are strong both in men's yeah. and women's basketball. But the truth is, it's kind of a crapshoot. It's an utter crapshoot. I mean, it's an utter and complete crapshoot. They're so, all they're all good programs. North Carolina. Uh, yes, yes. North Carolina in 2008. They both eliminated Louisville. Uh, UCLA. UCLA. Uh, it, yes, of course. Did it in 19, Cheryl Miller? Yeah. 1998. Uh, it would have been after Cheryl um, Miller. Yeah, I'm just thinking of long sustained success. Men and women's team both eliminated uh, Michigan. Arizona. Uh, Arizona is not okay. on this list. Notre Dame. Not Notre Dame. Duke. Yes, Duke in 2006. In the same round, the men and women's Duke team uh, d- defeated Southern. I guess that was in the opening round. Of course, Duke did not win the NCAA tournament that year because. They lost to Maryland in the championship game, you dummy. Oh, the women. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Virginia. Virginia is not on the list. Go ahead. Louisville. Yes, Louisville. All right. In 2012, uh, they defeated both the men and women, defeated Michigan State. Would Angel McCautry have been there in 12? Michigan State. Not Michigan State. Okay. I like where your head's at. Kentucky. Not Kentucky. I didn't feel very strongly about their women's side. We have one, two, we have four more. Houston. Not Houston. Ah. All right, so one was in 2014. By the way, I said Cheryl Miller at UCLA. She definitely played at USC. I don't know why I said that. USC. Not USC. Washington. Uh, Not Washington, but Washington is in the name of this school. George Washington? George Washington. Okay. GW what? in 1994. That's why I'm saying it's totally random. Yeah. Like, this is what makes it so difficult. They both it beat is UAB. Utterly That's the most random one. The, the rest of the, the other three are powerful. GW power. and UAB to make the tournament in both yeah. men's and women's yeah. in the same year. Uh, and both Astronomical. Iowa. Uh, not Iowa. Indiana. Not Indiana. Texas. Wisconsin. Not Texas. Uh, not Wisconsin. So does Miami Midwest count? Does mid- Mi- was Miami one of the ten? Yeah, yeah, Miami. So we've got of seven of them. Yeah, yeah, there's three more. We have an SC, two SECs. Oh, Tennessee. Actually, they're all three SECs. Tennessee. Not Tennessee. LSU. Not LSU. Alabama. Not Alabama. Florida. Auburn. Florida. Okay. In 2014. Oh, South Carolina would Mike make Miller. a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, actually, not South Carolina. Georgia. Georgia Teresa in 1983. First team. First. Uh, first time this ever happened. Uh, Georgia and beat North Vanderbilt. Carolina twice. Uh, not Vanderbilt. Ole Miss. Not Ole Miss, Mississippi State, <laughs> Missouri. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's got to be the last one. I think no, Texas A and M was. Oh, I yeah, didn't name a, Texas A yeah, and M. That, uh, but Missouri, Mizzou was the last one they did there in nine, in two thousand one. They beat Georgia. My God. Both times. <laughs> it's just so random, man. Like I'm not knocking the tidbit. It's just like it could be anything. There's nowhere to start <laughs> with this list. All right. Very good. 
<sighs> uh, tidbit was also brought to you today by the Baltimore County Police Department. They are hiring cadet salaries at over $32,000 a year, um, lateral officers at over $60,000 a year, and, and sorry, at over $64,000 a year, entry-level officers at over $60,000 a year with a $10,000 signing bonus available for both lateral and entry-level officers. You can give them a call right now to find out more, 410-887-5542, or visit joinbaltimorecountypd.com if you have a passion for service and want a career for life. The Baltimore County Police Department is the place for you. Tubular is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Here's what's coming up, totally tubular. Uh, on the local front, Navy Lacrosse is at Villanova at four on Flow Sports, so Griffin can complain about it. Uh, Maryland Baseball hosts George Washington. How about that at 4 o'clock <laughs> on Big Ten Network Plus? World Baseball Classic Championship game, USA-Japan at 7 o'clock. The Orioles are on TV today. Cole Irvin's on the mound as they take on the Red Sox and uh, Chris Sale on Masson. Uh, Tigers-Yankees at one on MLB Network. NIT quarterfinals. No, we don't care about these things. I'm not going to pretend. The rest of the college bat. There is a lot of postseason college basketball tonight. The CBI is on ESPN, too. Isn't there like four games? There are four games tonight. That's a lot. I mean, given the fact that, that we're that at the part, the tournament's over, yes. <laughs> NBC Sports Washington, Blue Jackets Capitals at 7 o'clock. ESPN Plus and Hulu, Maple Leafs Islanders at 7.30. Uh, NBC Sports Washington Plus for Blue Jackets Capitals because regular NBC Sports Washington has Wizards Magic at 7 o'clock. NBA TV Cavs Nets at 7.30, Celtics Kings at 10. USA for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Not really. That no, that show Gotham Knights is on the CW. Um, Fallon's going to have Jennifer Aniston on because they're in uh, that new movie. or uh, Well, they're... they're a sequel to the Murder Mystery. You're saying it quite well. I am, yeah. Sequel to Murder Mystery, so Murder Mystery 2 with oh. Adam Sandler. I, oh, God. I know. It doesn't look, I mean. Oh. Hey, if Netflix, if Netflix will pay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, end of the month on Netflix. Uh, so I, will, I, I am not going to be in a rush. That's Adam Sandler's mindset, clearly. He's just pumping those Netflix movies out. Yeah. Uh, that's it. There's nothing. Okay. There's right. nothing today. You're good. Watch the baseball thing, yeah. I guess. Like, that's what's going on. All right, uh, Tubular was also brought to you by, ooh, just a reminder that gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit, stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7, visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. Thanks today to Kevin Van Valkenburg, Patrick Stevens, Tyler Kepner, uh, Drew Nicholas, and we're about to hear from Brent Urban. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. And that means tomorrow... Uh, we have Anthony Walker. Oh, right. Uh, so there is still a Baltimore native. He's a reserve at Miami, but Anthony Walker, and it's a little bit more personal to me because he went to Perry Hall, and I am, of course, a Perry Hall High School alum myself. Um, so we're going to like arm wrestle over who the more accomplished Perry Hall High School alum is. And Anthony Walker, who is still in the NCAA tournament playing with Miami, um, uh, comes off the bench for them. He's going to join us tomorrow, and we'll talk about them eliminating Indiana and then the women turning around and doing it too. Um, and then Drew, Drew yeah, I Drew, assume. Drew will be around. Okay, all right, very yeah. good. Stuff and things on the program tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, CCBC, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Of course, we'll also have to update the Lamar meter based Lamar, on this yeah. uh, Mike Florio thing and you guys overreacting to a, a word in the sentence. Should I print out a Tyler Huntley face to bring in? 
I don't want to feel like we're mm. trashing Tyler Huntley either. Like it's all it's He's all a Pro Bowl. You can't trash. I, I know you guys are trying to do a. I'm uncomfortable with that. I would say okay. no. I would say no. We're not going to do. Why that. would he not be the option if the Lamar does not work well, out? Presumably, it would be to draft a quarterback, dog. Mm. Like you better be drafting your quarterback. All right, I'll, I'll print out the Stetson Bennett face. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly the one. That's the one. Aye, aye, aye. All right. Um, thanks to Charles at Charles dot AP twenty eight. On Instagram Indeed, is yes. how you follow him. Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass on Twitter. Follow us at Glenn Clark Radio, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, have a great Tuesday evening. Go USA. I don't really care. I'm, fi- I'm forcing let's, it. Let's hope Cedric Mullins gets yeah, in. Go Navy lacrosse. Go Maryland baseball. Duke sucks. We wrap up today's show. by We had to do this a little bit earlier on, but an opportunity to catch up with Brent Urban, who is coming back to the Baltimore Ravens here on GCR. Well, going into the offseason, of course, there was one question here in Baltimore. Would the Baltimore Ravens be able to bring their man back? And they did. Joining us now after he re-signed, the guy you were all wondering about, he is our friend, Ravens defensive lineman Brent Urban, and he is back with us. Brent, it's great to chat with you, dude. Thank you for taking the time, man. Really appreciate you. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, I have a few questions i got to get away, out of the way at the top. One being, I went and saw Our Lady Peace a couple weeks back at Ramshead Live. Oh, does that man. get me any temporary Canadian citizenship? That does, man. That takes me back. Um, we had, like, our, uh, I guess, like, local music station, Much Music, and Our yeah. Lady Peace would be on repeat when I was growing up. So, Dude. yeah, it brings back some memories, and you get your... Uh, temporary citizenship you have sure, no man. idea man like i'm belting now i am also about 40 at this point i'm damn near 40 so this mm-hmm. lines up time wise perfectly i was doing the ultimate dad rocking that i mean like air guitar you know like screaming along with every word to every song and i just thought That's to myself awesome. like i feel like i feel like if i had a little bit of poutine this would be like the perfect canadian tuesday night 100 <laughs> percent, man it's great uh, the speaking of belting along every word, uh, the video that we saw of you on the sideline last year singing along with Whitney Houston got me thinking about something. Are you the type? Obviously, you were happy to do it that day. But like, let's say you go to a wedding. Are you the type that has to like pretend for a second that you're not into a certain song when it's played because like you got to keep up appearances? Like you know, you're a football player, you're a tough guy. And then you can sort of like be like, all right, I, I kind of like it. Or do you just not care about that at all? And when whatever it is, whether it's I want to dance with somebody or something else, whatever it is, you just say, I don't care if you judge me. I love this song. I'm going to be into it. And I'm going to, you know, p- pull off my finest white man dancing moves here at this wedding. Um, I, it's hard to say. I think, I think the moment is what kind of, you know, depends whether I just go for it or not. Okay. Obviously, when I'm on the when I'm on the sideline or on the field, I'm you know trying You're to bring it. the energy and just yeah. having fun, man. So I'm definitely not shy, kind of in those settings. I guess a wedding too. You know, if they're playing some hits on the dance floor, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind. Uh, I wouldn't shy away. Let's just say. So I think I that's f- fair. See, I, I feel like at a younger age, I was the type that had to pretend. Like, I wasn't into something. Like, I'd be like, oh, really? You're playing the Backstreet Boys. What? No. Like, I'm going to go. I'm going to walk outside. I'm going to get a beer. And then, like, I don't know what age I hit. And then I was like, oh, my God, I love this song. What am I doing? Why am I denying myself the joy just to keep up appearances to make people think I'm somebody I'm not? 
Yeah, I think just when you're young, you know, you try to seem a little cooler. But, <laughs> you know, at a certain point, you just stop caring, really, and just kind of <laughs> enjoy yourself. So, yeah. All right, well, we've covered everything I needed to cover with you, Brent. Thanks for hopping on. <laughs> All right, <see> ya. <laughs> um, you know, was there ever any doubt in your mind? I know it's been a couple of weeks, so we've been trying to schedule. Was there ever any doubt in your mind when the season ended that you wanted to be back in Baltimore and that you were confident it was going to work out to keep you here? Yeah, you know, I felt like the season went pretty well for me. Um, you know, it feel, Baltimore feels like home, you know, just kind of the style of defense they play, like being physical up front, stopping the run, you know, kind of things that all kind of cater towards my individual skill set. So, you know, I was I was looking looking to come back and, you know, luckily it happened quick and kind of got it out the way. So, um, you know, there's was, was, there was always kind of, you're always kind of wondering going into the off season what things will look like, but you know, I think me coming back was on my radar and I was just happy to get it done quickly and kind of get that out of the way. Is there any world in which it like maybe even means more to you this time around, Brent? Like, you know, obviously when you're young in your career, everything's in front of you, but like, is there something about coming back and having it work after a few years away that allows you to have greater appreciation for the season that you had and, and gives you more of a feel for, like this is one thousand percent where I want to be at this point in my life, and maybe for the rest of my career. I think so. Yeah, like you know, when you're young, you're kind of not really realizing what's going on so much, yeah. just kind of in the moment. But you know, at this kind of age, I can look back and kind of be appreciative of my time here. And you know, last season when they brought me back, you know, it was kind of um, like a walk through memory lane where I was really just kind of taking everything in and just kind of realizing how far I've came, I guess. So, um, you know, it just kind of brought back those memories and really did make me appreciate things more. Yeah, for sure. I get that, man. Like, I, I get where it just means a little bit more. Brent Urban is with us here on GCR. How how were you different? this Like, from, from going back again to a younger point in your career, what maybe you, I don't even want to say better, right? Because it's not like you weren't a good football player the first time around. But, like, how were you a different person, a different, you know, a leader? What what was different this time around for you than maybe when you were here to start your career? Yeah, I'd probably say the biggest thing is just kind of being a bit more of a leader. You know, early on I was pretty quiet and kind of kept my head down and that type of thing where, you know, now I kind of realize how important it is to have, like, a good position room and kind of, you know, get the young guys involved and try to help them out and, make things cohesive as a defense just in terms of like getting along with each other and having like camaraderie and that sort of thing. So, um, I think that aspect of the game kind of off the field, um, developed a lot over over my years going to different teams and kind of, you know, just going to new places and trying to fit in there and, you know, seeing what the dynamic is and that sort of thing. It kind of helped me mature kind of in a, in, I guess like a social aspect, but also just like a leadership role, I think. Uh, how many text messages have you shared with Calais over the course of the last couple of weeks? Like, how how are you? How are you as a recruiter? I guess is the important question. <laughs> well, I mean, man, Calais knows I love you know I love him. I've always you know as soon as kind of I came in, I we kind of hit it off right away, and um, you know it's tough seeing him go, but again, you know I think it sounds like the doors open, and you know he knows. I mean, he knows we all want him back and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I've talked to him a little bit here and there. And, um, 
you know, he's a great dude, and obviously, you know, would help the football team. How how much you kind of marvel at what he's still able to do at that point in his life, right? Like I I gotta imagine for you as you've gotten into your thirties, you started like sort of feeling a little bit of like, you know, what what playing this game does to you for so long. How crazy is it to you that that dude is approaching forty and is still this freaking good at this at this point in his life? Yeah, it's insane, man. Just not even like the age, but just the position he's playing, man. Yeah. Take- you take so much like physically up front, you know, in the trenches playing that long. It's crazy. You know, it's like unfathomable kind of what he's done. And obviously playing at that such a high level still, it's, it's crazy, man. It's, it's, it's fun to watch every single day. And, you know, I had a blast playing with him obviously, but yeah, he's a Marvel man. There's not, not many guys have been doing what he's doing, you know, kind of in this part of their career. So yeah been crazy it's so bon and you see him and you're just like and yet and, and he just the, the, he, he doesn't show any sign of how any of it's affected him he looks like a million dollars i mean he's the biggest human i've ever seen in my entire life like it's just nuts how that goes um all right so brent obviously we, we got are you as interested as everybody else is like you you understand like the entire city of baltimore is spending every moment of every day trying to like decipher every eyeball emoji that we see on Twitter and like trying to like parse everything. Are you as a teammate as like invested in what is going on? Is Lamar going to sign? Or are you totally able to like just separate yourself and say, dude, I have to worry about me. I can't worry about any of these other things. Yeah. I mean, you know, as like a teammate and that sort of thing, you kind of just try to (laughs) focus on your own thing, man. There's so much that goes on like every free agency and, um, you know, you gotta let, let guys do what they, you know, decide to do as far as free agency and that whole thing. So, you know, you can't be too worried about the next man. You gotta just kind of hope for the best and, you know, hope, hope your team's as good as it possibly can be kind of going into the year. So, um, I haven't been, uh, keeping up with it as, as I'm sure many fans oh are. God. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's locked in for next year and, um, you know, obviously the football team's much better with them on it. So right. that's what I'll say. Right. <laughs> it's like the easiest thing in the world to say. Like imagine, hey, would you like to have Lamar Jackson back? Yes. Like I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Like I think so. Lamar. It's dude. It's so funny. Cause like in this business you're taught, like even ask the dumb questions when you do interviews. I'm like, no, 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 no. Some questions are too dumb. Like I know the answer to that question. Everyone wants Lamar Jackson back. How, how do you handle, because I'm telling you, like, again, in my life, and, and people that are well-meaning, but I go to the gym and there's, like, 12 people, dude, what's going on with Lamar? I can't even imagine what it's like for you with everyone in your life knowing who you are. How do you handle the fact that it is undoubtedly all you're getting? Like, you go to the supermarket and six strangers want to ask you about Lamar Jackson. Yeah, man, it's, it's crazy, you know. It's, like, it's obviously huge news and people always ask me but you know i really don't have much to say about it so right. you just kind of keep it short and move along do you, you okay know, do you have like a stock answer so much- do, do you have like an, like, yeah. what, like that you just go to like i hope it works out like do you have something that you've just decided that's what you're going to say every time somebody asks you i'm just like i don't know man let <laughs> him work out what he wants to work out you know he's his own man you know it's uh 
it's it's a big you know it's a big contract that needs to get sorted out so you know it's not something you rush rush with and yeah it's, you know can, can, it is what it is can i assume that like all players are in favor of the idea of the words fully guaranteed can i assume that like no matter what position the, i i i know that i'm not trying to speak out of turn but i'm guessing that you're assuming it will probably never work out that there will be a fully guaranteed contract put in front of you, Brent Urban. Like, I know, I'm so, I, like, I still think you're going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Raven. I want to make that abundantly clear. <laughs> but, like, can I assume that, like, the, the generality of, yeah, we like that thought, that there should be more guarantees and contracts? Well, yeah, 100%. But, you know, the business aspect of that, you know, it's, right. it's, it's hard to do just in terms of like how much turnover there is in the league and how many players are on each team and the kind of movement compared to, you know, any other major league. So I, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, you know, you want to like guarantee contracts. I think that's, you know, been clear on players ends forever, but you know, it's just, it's business and you know, that's kind of just what it's at right now. All right. I promise that concludes the Lamar Jackson portion of this conversation. <laughs> Brent Urban with us here on GCR. Brent, uh, at the beginning of last season, there, you know, maybe a, a bit of a sluggish start. Of course, we all remember the Miami game and there were some issues in the second half, but the, your defense came along big time and was was playing unbelievable ball as the season came to a close. Can you you know, define for us maybe what happened as the year went along, maybe, you know, with, with a new defensive coordinator sort of getting his feet wet. Like, what happened as the season went on that you guys were playing so well down the stretch last year? Yeah, yeah, we really turned it on. I think one of the biggest things is just it's, it was such a young defense that's counting on, you know, young guys to play a lot of snaps. Um a lot of really talented young players, but you know, that stuff takes a while to kind of get cohesive and um, kind of, you know, figure out what you're good at and that kind of thing. So, you know, it was a process. Obviously we learned the hard way, like, yeah, that Miami game. And, um, but we started off with the Jets game and we thought we were great, you know, and then we kind of got the, got a gut punch with the Miami game a little bit later. So, you know, I think it was just learning to deal with kind of our, our failures up to that point and kind of learn how to bounce back, you know, and we faced a lot of adversity kind of in that middle portion of the season. And they really just made us stronger at the end and kind of, we got a lot more cohesive and figured out what we need to work on. And obviously it helps picking up a guy like Roquan Smith too. So, you know, I think a lot goes into it, but um, definitely, definitely we're rolling at that. Dude, how good is that guy, by the way, man? Like, I, I had high hopes for when he showed up, and I still think he was somehow even better than I thought he was going to be. Like, how crazy good is that, dude? <laughs> yeah, he's insane. He's, uh, I, I mean, I knew how good he was. Obviously, I played with him right. for a year and a half in Chicago. Yeah, so, um, I was just, yeah, I went to Chicago and this guy's flying around making 12 tackles a game and <laughs> made it really easy for me up front, you know, and the guy's coming downhill like that. Um, his athletic ability, great leader, great dude. Like, it's just, um, he would be a fit with any team, man. And so when I when we signed him, it, I was just ecstatic and kind of knew how much he would really help our team. Cause, so cool. Um, there's very few players that can run and hit like Roquan. That's so cool, man. It's so cool that you guys ended up back together here. And obviously, man, we were. It was such a special thing to see. 
Um, you know, we actually just did a, a bracket contest here at GCR, and we took half of the money and we donated it to uh, you and I's friends at Show Your Soft Side. We made it a charity bracket contest, and it's a bummer because we're not going to be able to do Project Runway this year. But I, I can you? How many animals are in the urban house? How many do you and Kate have currently? We have uh, we currently just have a golden retriever Odin, but um, we're fostering a lot. You know, yeah. we'll take on kind of two to three, maybe up to six puppies, like kind of every off season. Wait, um, wait, we just wait. moved recently to. God. Do you say s- up to six? Like I think like. Yeah, in terms of like total off season, you know what okay. I mean? I don't all know, right, like, all right, all right. At the same time. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I, I think we've had like four maybe at the same time. That was about the max because, man, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a lot. But oh uh, we just moved to Austin recently. So, um, you know, we're kind of getting our feet wet here as far as like kind of figuring out foster situations and all that. But, you know, we're huge dog lovers. Um, show your soft side has been great in Baltimore. And we always kind of make it a point to help out with, you know, certain events and that kind of thing they're doing. So, yeah. Hi, man. I, I was just thinking about the idea of having, I, we, we, we had, unfortunately we lost one of ours, but we still have, we still have our girl and with two kids and one dog, it's a nightmare. Like it's just a, a at, at one point on <laughs> Sunday morning, Brent, I'm not even kidding about this. Both kids and the dog were all pouncing on me as I was asleep. And I just found oh, myself bad. saying like, what, <laughs> What, what do I do? Like, this is too much. The idea of having four dogs running around is just insane to me, man. But uh, that's awesome. That's awesome yeah. that you guys have been remained so committed to doing that, that type of thing. It's, it's really powerful that you guys care that much. For sure. Um, I, you know, it's really powerful is knowing that you're going to be around, dude. You've become a really special part of this community, and we love the fact that you're going to be sticking around to be a part of it. Um, of course, everybody knows you can follow Brent on Twitter. It's Urban Legend. Of course, 96 is the way that you follow him. And then what about on Instagram? Um, same thing, Urban Legend 96. Um, my wife has like a food account, basically taking pictures of where we go eat called at Brent's Belly. So you can follow oh my, that. Wait, too. wait, wait. And, I had no idea. I have to follow that immediately. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, go ahead, man. Kate kind of runs that and makes sure she takes pictures of us, you know, going to restaurants and that kind of thing. We're big foodies, so, um, yeah, we do a lot on that account. Dude, what is this that you guys had at Szechuan Mountain House in New York? What am I looking at? Because I want to drink it. <laughs> My God, that looks incredible. Yeah, I'm a huge, um, I'm a huge like, Szechuan Chinese fan, which is, like, basically just really spicy regional Chinese food. So, yeah, we went to that spot in New York. It was so good, man. That's dope, man. Uh, uh, Brent, congratulations, brother. It's so great to have you back. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. We really appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me.